Tech Night Owl Live, the show for PC users who can handle the truth. And now, here's your host, Gene Steinberg. This week on the Tech Night Owl Live, Tanya Inks of Take Control Books, an author of Take Control of Your iPad, will tell you things you didn't know about Apple's best-selling tablet. We hear from Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine about 15 technologies that will probably not be around when his newly born son is 10 or 15 years of age. And Ian Schrey talks about a new Mac security solution. All this and more on the Tech Night Owl Live. We have Tanya Inks joining us for the first time on the Tech Night Owl Live. I would call her, what, the soul of tidbits and take control books? Hi, Gene. It's great to be here. I guess I could be the co-founder of uh, Tidbits Publishing. We publish on the web and we do publish the Take Control series of eBooks. I wanted to talk to you first, I guess, about this issue, which of course doesn't impact you directly, I guess, because you're a small publisher. But the big publishers, the big guys there, which is Hatchet and Simon and Schuster, HarperCollins, Pearson, Macmillan, you know those people, mm-hmm. and the Department of Justice going against them and Apple because of alleged ebook price fixing, which they call the agency model, which is basically where the book publishers set the wholesale rates. So, speaking as a small publisher. How do things like that impact people like you? Speaking as a small publisher with perhaps 100 books in my entire library of books and maybe only 10 books coming out each year, my first reaction to the whole thing was, you know, whoa, these people are uh, working together to set a rather high price, in fact, for a, a book. From my perspective, what we're seeing for publishers publishing books about how to use a computer is that the floor is just completely dropping. It seems as though there are enough free books on, say, the iBook store or very low-cost books like $0.99, $2.99, that it's very difficult to gain any traction there if you want to charge $10 or $15, something like that. And a problem with that is, realistically, I can't pay my authors and run a business with those kinds of prices because there's not enough volume coming to me where I can make up the difference on on the volume. So what's going to end up happening is that the most popular books on the iBookstore will by and large probably not be the longest, most carefully researched products, or there'll be books that are being put there to kind of grab people's interest and suck them into a particular topic in hopes of later selling them a, a more expanded version of the book or you know, to lead them to other things the publisher has created. So for us, it's more like a race to the bottom. And although I'm certainly not suggesting that we would want to do anything illegal, you know, a little collusion, uh, if that's may be the word I'm looking for or may not, a little collusion about just how low we're going to go on the pricing would be very helpful because a lot of great books and great authors aren't going to get any attention there at all because their products aren't low enough priced. I think we have to understand too is when people think of books, they say, oh my God, John Grisham, Tom Clancy, people Mm -hmm. like that. They think of people who make multi-million dollar deals. Even Sarah Palin, who's made like a million dollar deal for her book. You think of people who write a book and they're millionaires overnight. And you don't think that 99.9% of book writers are just regular middle class people eking out a living and paying their bills like everybody else. And the same thing is true for musicians. You know, most musicians earn a lower 
than middle-class salary as working musicians. So you have people putting out books who are not making the big bucks, and if they can't make a reasonable return on their investment, what happens? You can't publish the books. Nobody's going to write them. That's right. And you can do the math. So you could imagine, let's say it takes someone three months of their time to write a book. And in my field, that's too long. But let's say it takes the author and the editor and any other helpers a total of three months to create the book. So someone, let's just say, is working full time for an entire three month period. We're going to need to make, you know, I don't know, I'm just tossing some numbers out there. But, you know, if we can't make a certain number of tens of thousands of dollars on that book, we can't create it as, as a professional publication. You know, Isn't the average it. family wage now like forty or 50000 a year? So in a sense then, a person who writes a book, if he doesn't make or she doesn't make $10,000 from three, four months work, it's not worth the time. It's not worth the time. And particularly in my field, for some of the books that we write, we're not going to get anyone for $40,000 a year because the kinds of technical skills that you have to have along with the the computer equipment, along with the fact that all these people are self-employed, they're forking out for their own health insurance and their own retirement plan, $40,000 a year is not terrifically realistic. We have this attack against the publishers fixing prices, but then before that happened, Amazon, in a sense, was fixing prices by moving to the bottom by charging even less than their normal wholesale costs because they wanted to build traffic. It's like with the Kindle Fire supposedly being built for a certain amount of money and Amazon sells it for that amount or less to get people to come on, buy the Kindle Fire, go on Amazon, buy books or buy hairdressing or buy TV sets or something. That's right. And I think what you have to understand is that there's a huge experiment going on right now. Obviously, publishers, authors, all those folks would like to make as much money as they reasonably can from their work. Nobody wants to make less money. But on the other hand, readers don't want to pay more than they have to pay for what they read. That's also perfectly reasonable. What's happening is there's not really a super efficient way to determine what you know the right price is. So there's a lot of experimentation and tugging and pulling to try to find what is the right price in, the, in this completely new world. The dynamics of the cost is completely different from the traditional print book model. Now with an ebook, you've gotten rid of most of the material costs. There's you know there's no paper cost, there's no ink cost, there's no transportation cost, there's no cost of storing the books on the bookstore shelves. So all those costs are gone. So there's definitely the perception and I believe the reality that it should be cheaper because we've gotten rid of a whole lot of costs. But we have also added costs. So most of the time when you buy an ebook, it's being stored for you in some kind of digital locker or you have some kind of account where you can re-download the book. There's IT work and web development work and all kinds of you know cloud programming work that has to be done to give you this, this experience. And that cost definitely as a small publisher is something that, that we're really realizing and dealing with. It is not enough just to stick your PDF up on 
some single web page somewhere and let people download it. They expect and, and should have a whole suite of online services. There is an added cost there. And then, of course, to the readers, the end users, the cost of having that hardware is also a cost. And so nobody seems to quite know what to charge for all this stuff. And there's going to be winners and losers and interesting twists along the way. And the whole thing with the iBook store and the allegations of real collusion is a fascinating twist. And you just wonder where it's going to end up because supposedly some of the publishers have already settled with the Department of Justice, which means, I guess, they give up the agency model and return the setting of the prices to the booksellers. And then Amazon gains control. Amazon runs to the bottom. Does that put people like you ultimately with the threat of going out of business? How do you stay in business with this thing? Or do you hope to get enough traffic from your site so you don't have to worry about it? In the case of my particular series, the Take Control series, probably 80 to 90% of our sales are direct from our website. The iBook store, the Kindle store, all the other stores, we love to be in those stores. They definitely help people to discover us. We might get discovered on the Kindle store by someone searching for information about something where they wouldn't find us through a Google search or they wouldn't think to look in Google to find an ebook. They're great stores. A frustration that we have with those stores is our books are pretty tightly integrated to our website so that people can get free updates, check the books, blogs, and all this other kind of stuff. And we feel like we're five or 10 years ahead of the in store and the iBook we're offering. We have Tanya Inks to Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. You know, we develop trust in the people we know, but we don't really know someone we can see. That's why I recommend GoToMeeting with HD Faces. It's a simple online meeting service. It's GoToMeeting by Citrix. All it takes is a webcam and a click to instantly collaborate. You can start hosting your own face-to-face online meetings today with GoToMeeting. You can try it free for 30 days. Visit GoToMeeting.com, click the Try It Free button, and use the promo code PODCAST. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Gold. It's like nothing else on Earth. From the Romans through the Renaissance, from the Industrial Age to the Space Age, gold has weathered the test of time. For 6,000 years, gold has remained the ultimate store of wealth. According to the World Gold Council and the U.S. Mint, demand is at an all-time high. The stage is being set for the reemergence of gold as the common-sense alternative to a fiat paper currency that gets weaker every day. Midas Resources is proud to offer the hard-hitting report that arms you with the truth you need to protect you and your family from the Fed's plans for your hard-earned money. Don't gamble with your future. Call Midas Resources today and ask for your free copy of As Good As Gold. Call 1-800-686-2237 for the report the Fed hopes you'll never see. As Good As Gold can be yours by calling 800-686-2237. If you have ever thought about owning gold, you must read this report. Call Midas today at 800-686-2237. 
Meet Jerry D. Hi. Jerry and his family, like you, are very concerned about world conditions and have gathered many emergency preparedness items, including turtle tough shelters. We have added two 24-foot turtle tufts to our supplies and feel very secure knowing our large family is ready for whatever the future may bring. Turtle tough shelters are not tents. They are permanent yet portable four-season geodesic frame shelters that are as strong as a cabin at a fraction of the cost and are easy to set up, take down, and move anywhere. Available in two sizes. Get your Turtle Tough Shelter and accessories included at TurtleToughShelters.com. That's Turtle, T-U-F-F, Shelters.com. Or call 801-623-3288. That's 801-623-3288. Or see them online at TurtleToughShelters.com. Turtle Tough Shelters, your all-season home away from home. 37 things to hoard. Do you have the 37 crucial food items you can't survive without? When the next disaster hits and the mobs go crazy grabbing food off the shelves, you and your family may be without food or waiting in long food lines. Prepare now at 123survivalplan.com. Easy as 123 to remember. 123survivalplan.com. Many people don't have these 37 food items. Learn what you need to hoard now at 123survivalplan.com. Watch the video we've set up for Patriots only at 123 survivalplan.com get inside information on the 37 food items that will sell out first when the next disaster strikes this video contains crucial information you and your family need to prepare for any natural or man-made disaster in the last six months over one million other smart patriots have already seen this video prepare now go to 123survivalplan.com and learn which 37 food items you should hoard easy to remember 123survivalplan.com again that's 123survivalplan.com We'd like to hear from you. If you have any thoughts or comments about the Tech Night Owl Live, please get in touch at news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. Looking for past episodes? We've got hundreds at technightowl.com slash radio. That's technightowl.com slash radio. Or subscribe on iTunes. From Tidbits and Take Control Books, we welcome Tanya Inks to the Tech Night Out Live with Gene Steinberg. We were talking before we did the break about the problem of the small publisher trying to eke out their existence with Amazon and iBooks and the Department of Justice lawsuit. Here's a question I'm going to ask you, which is maybe a methodology thing. You buy a copy of a Take Control book. The nice thing about it is you get updates free. That's right. You know? Okay. Now, how do you do that with iBooks and Amazon? Well, it's, it's been a bit tricky for us, but the first chapter in every Take Control book is called Read Me First. And if you read in the Read Me First, the first main topic there explains exactly how to do that. So it's basically registering at the site. That's right. Okay. Okay. So you have to manually register the site because one of the problems about these models is they don't give the reader or the customer of the product, the opportunity to directly interact through that interface with the publisher. 
not only that, it's very frustrating. And this is also something that I'm sure the bigger publishers have had words with Amazon about, which is that we don't get access to the customer. And so what that means is someone buys a book off of the Amazon store or, you know, Kindle store. Amazon certainly knows who they are and how to reach them. But but the actual publisher does not know. So that means if we, for example, have a free update to one of our books available, we cannot contact that customer in any way to tell them that this is, is available to them. We have no information about them whatsoever. So that, that is a, a frustration for us because we, we do want that relationship and we want them to know that a new version of their book is available. And it's a frustration for some customers because they want that information. And then, of course, for other customers, they would prefer to be anonymous. And, and this certainly facilitates that. So in the end, where do you see this leading in terms of your situation? Or will someone like you have to make a deal with a big publisher to distribute ebooks? So long as we can distribute ebooks off of our own website, that's just exactly what we intend to continue doing. And we've been plowing a considerable amount of development resources into improving the website. And although you can't see it right now, we basically saved our money for like the past two years to build this nest egg. And this year, we are investing it in a very significant update to the website, which uh, not only has, you know, like a professional graphic designer, you know, web designer doing all that, but a whole lot more wiring up so that people can more efficiently use it as a digital locker. They can more efficiently read their books if they want to from, you know, any web browser, wherever they are, and just all, all those kinds of services. And because we are quite a bit smaller than the iBook store or the Kindle store, I mean, compared to them, we're, you know, we're practically atomic in size. We're just completely tiny. Uh, because we're so much smaller and because by and large, our readership is technically savvy, we can experiment and we can move very quickly and create things for our customers that might be a little bit more on the cutting edge or a little bit of new ideas for what should be offered. And so, we don't really have, you know, a 10-year business plan here because we are so small that we do have to sometimes respond to larger trends. But we're having a grand old time, you know, experimenting in this in this field and seeing seeing what we can do. And, and meanwhile, really all we're doing is doing what we've been doing for decades now, which is writing about how to use computers better. And we just put our writing into whatever form of media is is most appropriate or most beneficial. And we've certainly been through many different kinds of media, and I'm sure that that's going to continue for a long time. I guess part of the problem is figuring out what's going to be big next and how to get onto that train. Because obviously that's- you came in with ebooks before we had all this stuff going on before ebooks meant anything. And I guess you have to look up what the next thing is going to be, the next big thing. Speaking of next big things, of course, one big thing that we didn't know would be a big thing when it first started is the iPad. And Tanya has written a book called Take Control of Your iPad. 
I did write that book. And because I am editor-in-chief of this entire series, in some ways, I shouldn't really be allowed to write books anymore because I'm supposed to be more coordinating the big picture. But in this particular case, for a variety of reasons, we made an exception. So I'm kind of down in the trenches as an author doing the hard work of writing the book. It's something I haven't done in perhaps a decade before I started doing this book. I took quite some time off from book writing, and it's been quite fun to put on the author hat again, although usually I let other people do that. So this is a change for you, but you took the task of talking about the iPad. Now, for something so simple to use, how do you find yourself able to add information people don't generally have when they buy an iPad? Well, Jean, it's a huge challenge, especially with our particular audience, which tends to be people who are somewhat more technically competent. Because the iPad and the iOS operating system are somewhat new, I find even people who are fairly competent and comfortable on these devices often have not really had the time to absorb all the minutiae. And I try to include lots of interesting minutiae for them. While keeping that in mind, I honestly typically channel my girlfriends, my dad, my father-in-law, people I bike with, just everyday kinds of people who are getting iPads and who have tons of questions about them, but who are not super technically savvy overall. I find in most social gatherings, sooner or later, someone kind of sidles over to me and says, I was reading your book and, or I was thinking about buying your book, but, or some other question has come up. So I see firsthand where people get stuck and I try to write the book with those folks in mind to unstick them. So, for example, maybe we can talk about a few things you didn't know. The person who just sets up an iPad for the first time, what is there about the iPad that maybe they're not aware of? Just taking it out of the box and going through the simple Apple setup routine. Oh, sure. And that simple Apple setup routine, which, by the way, is very simple. It's a little wizard, and you tap your way through five or six, maybe 10 screens, and you're done. And what's hugely frustrating about that wizard, from my perspective, is that you can just tap your way through it, tap, 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 done, and everybody wants to just get through it as quickly as possible so they can use their device. But on the other hand, Apple is asking some really important questions. The good news is you can change your mind later on your answers to those questions. But Apple asks you, for instance, if you want to turn on location services, which is... They want to know where you are and what you're doing. They want to be big brother. We'll get into more of this in a moment with Tanya Inks. Her book is called Take Control of Your iPad from Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network.
Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs. Convert from so many formats, I can't even list them. Download now to see if Graphic Converter is good for you, like one and a half million other users. Guess what? You could save money when you buy Graphic Converter. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL. Use the coupon code NIGHTOWL to get a special price for Graphic Converter. Go to LemkeSoft.com. That's L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. LemkeSoft.com. L-E-M-K-E-Soft.com. That's what it sounds like when a burglar kicks in the door of a dark house that looks like no one is home. Don't let your home be the next target. Make it look like someone is home watching television with fake TV. Fake TV is a small electronic device that makes the same light as a real television. So from outside, it looks like someone is home watching TV. Fake TV plugs in just like a lamp on a timer, but is far more convincing to burglars. Fake TV deters burglars, costs far less than an alarm, and is highly recommended by numerous police departments. Use it anytime you're away from home. To order your fake TV for only $34.95, go to faketv.com or call 1-877-5-FAKE-TV. Each additional fake TV is only $29.95. So get one for you and one for a loved one for safety, security, and peace of mind for both of you. Call 877-5-FAKE-TV or go to faketv.com. Faketv.com, the burglar deterrent. Iodine protection packs from HempUSA.org are now in stock for immediate delivery worldwide. Our iodine protection packs include micro plant powder, green life kelp, red palm oil, and our clear roll-on iodine that will feed the body the iodine it needs. All iodine protection packs are in stock, save you money, and ship for free in all 50 states. Visit HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. HempUSA.org has a revolutionary wonder food for detoxing the body and rebuilding the immune system. Microplant powder can help unclog arteries and soften heart valves while removing heavy metals, virus, fungus, bacteria, and parasites. Plus, it cleans and purifies the blood, lungs, stomach, and colon. Keep your body clean with Microplant powder. Visit us at HempUSA.org or call 908-691-2608 today. There are so many benefits you can get from taking unheated, grass-fed whey protein. It helps put out the fire of inflammation and the pain it is causing. Eliminate the craving for sweets or carbohydrates. Better sense of well-being, weight loss, muscle strength, energy and growth, and optimal glutathione production. Glutathione is the number one means by which you detoxify all toxins, and this is vital to you feeling and looking good again. Consuming One World Whey is the most powerful way to raise glutathione. People report the normalization of blood sugar, the elimination of heavy metals and drugs, and they've reported the elimination of pain and the alleviation of constipation after three months on One World Way. Children love the flavor and prefer it over junk food. One World Way is performing mighty miracles for young and old and is superior, unique, and unprecedented from any other whey protein powder on the market. To learn how to feel and look younger or to sculpt your body the way you want it to be, call 888-988-3325 or visit OneWorldWay.com. That's OneWorld.com. W-H-E-Y dot com.
Live with Gene Steinberg. It's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. From Tidbits and Take Control Books, we have Tanya Inks, who, of course, is editor-in-chief over there at Take Control Books. But she's written the book, Take Control of Your iPad, an e-book designed to optimize your iPad experience. And you might wonder, why do we need a book like this? And now you're going to find out, because Apple asks you some serious questions during the course of this brief setup routine when you set up your new iPad, like location services. Do they explain location services enough so the regular person could look at that and say, I know what that is, or will they just go, what? They do have an explanation right in there, and you can tap it and read the explanation. But I try to go a little bit beyond that in the book, again, for people who want to know more, really explaining why is it that you want your device to know where it is, and also why is it that you are actually sending location information back to Apple? What does Apple do with that information, and how worried should you be about the fact that Apple has it? So that's one example of something you can just whiz through in the setup assistant, but there's quite a lot of technical depth there about how your iPad gathers that information and what it does with it and what you might want to think about that. And then you'll also be asked, well, do you want to back up your iPad to your a local computer right in your house through iTunes, or do you want to back up your iPad to iCloud, iCloud being Apple's cloud system? And it's easy to just pick one or the other. They'll both probably work more or less, but putting some thought into your choice is also potentially a very good idea. So in my book, I had to work really hard to give people a, a fast track through the, the wizard, but also, and because it's an ebook, this is so easy to give them links to other locations in the book where they can go in depth on some of these, these questions so they can be sure they're answering them the way they want to. And then another example for the new third generation iPad is the voice dictation service, which you can enable right from the setup assistant. And again, there are some kind of fascinating or concerning possible privacy concerns because when you dictate into the iPad, it does not just process your dictation locally. It actually sends your audio file up to Apple servers where they are then decoded into text. So there are definitely some issues there if you would potentially be dictating confidential information. Just a quick question here. Is that using the same speech recognition engine as Siri? I believe it is the same engine, but is doing different things. Okay. It also seems a little bit less feature-laden because we see Siri being so far on the iPhone 4S. Would we even want right. a Siri on an iPad? That's another question I guess we can ask, but what do you think? Well, Siri on the, Siri on the iPhone is meant to tell what well, you can dictate to the iPhone, but by and large, what cool about Siri on the iPhone is you can tell the iPhone what to do. So you can place a reminder to to stop to get milk on your way home from the store, or you can set an alarm. And, and so there's all kinds of ways that you control iPhone. You can also do voice dictation with Siri on the iPhone. Over on the iPad, 
you have a voice dictation feature, it's not called Siri, and all you can do with it is dictate. So instead of typing, you can talk to the iPad, and with with luck and training, um, it will be effective for you. Now, what are the areas here, of the areas you've discussed so far, where you constantly get questions from your friends saying, what's this, what does this mean? Beyond, of course, the basic location and like that. I think Apple ID is also confusing to some people. People have a lot of trouble with the Apple ID because they often have more than one Apple ID and don't know which one to use for what service. Or they only have one Apple ID but could be more flexible and versatile if they set up a second one. And the thing is, your Apple ID is kind of like a a passport. It lets you into, you know, a hundred different Apple services. I might be exaggerating a little bit with a hundred, but it's certainly more than 20. And the problem that has happened is in the the past, people have accumulated all these different Apple IDs for different services without really paying attention to it. But now on the iPad, it's not really sensible to be logged into 20 different Apple IDs and people are running problems where, you know, they bought all their books with one Apple ID, but they bought movies with another one. And um, it's getting very confusing and cumbersome logging in and logging out. And the issue here, of course, is that Apple won't let you combine your Apple IDs. That's right. I think it may be something where, you know, 15 years ago, just nobody thought that this would be something that people would want to do. And now that it's very apparent that people want to do it, there are, I would have to assume, a number of technical issues for Apple. Uh, Speaking as a much, much smaller entity than Apple, we ran into exactly the same problem where we wanted people to be able to re-download their eBooks from our server. And we created accounts for people, but we're constantly having people who have, you know, six different accounts or who can't remember what email address they've used previously. And we do let them merge their email addresses into one account, but it still causes quite a lot of customer service questions and and confusion. So I could imagine for a huge organization with all different kinds of servers and services that they need to bring together that that's very, very challenging for them. Now, getting beyond the setup assistant, where else do you find that people who have brand new iPads are confused? Well, the first confusion is, how do I get my stuff onto my iPad? That iTunes sync is not hard to do once you've done it a few times, but you really have to sit down and work your way through it a few times. And I'm constantly getting questions from people who are confused there. And Apple could do some more work with iTunes Sync if they wanted to. For instance, your photos can be moved from your computer to your iPad with an iTunes Sync, but not the other way around. There's a different way to do it the other way around. And I think that sort of thing where some things copy only one way, some things sync both ways, and so many different kinds of things that you can sync through the iTunes sync. You can sync your contact information, you can sync your calendars, you can sync ebooks that you bought from the iBook store, you can sync ebooks that you didn't buy through the iBook store. It's just a huge amount of information to get your hands on. Further, I think that Apple is not going to make 
the items sink any easier because they're hoping that people will just uh, completely buy all their media from Apple and completely integrate their personal information with Apple. And then they can just use iCloud, which is wireless and does not involve iTunes at all. And I, the iCloud syncing is sort of easier, but 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 now people have to not only understand the iTunes sync for when they want to use it, they have to understand what's different between the iTunes sync and the iCloud sync so they can figure out which one they want to use in the first place. They want to know which sync to go into. And even worse, iTunes sync now and iCloud sync are both buggy. We had a discussion with Kirk McElhern, whom you know very well, and mm-hmm. we went over some of the issues with, for example, contact information. I have a situation now with my address book where we have different versions of contacts showing up. Even your husband is listed there twice with and without his email address. When I delete one, it comes back. It's like the poltergeist that's attacked us. And I know that Adam's not doing that. It's not his <laughs> fault. Although I, you know, we can maybe you have a list, but we, it's not his fault that it's happening. But it's like maybe they think, well, Gene has a paranormal radio show. Maybe he should see something ghost-like, but this is not unusual. Other people have the problem. By the way, did I tell you folks that we have a weekly newsletter? Yes, we do. We've had over 600 weekly issues consecutively of the Tech Night Owl newsletter. And here's how you get a copy. You just go to newsletter.technightowl.com. Once again, that's newsletter com. We have Tanya Ingst of Tidbits and Take Control Books. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Owl Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockaways. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockaways lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans the galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockaways is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. In an emergency situation, would you drink contaminated water? You could if you had the amazing Life Straw from MyPatriotSupply.com. Life Straw is the most advanced personal water filter available today. It filters contaminated water from almost any source. Life Straw is lightweight and compact, perfect for hiking, camping, or in an emergency like a flood. Life Straw is easy to clean, comes with a one year warranty, and has been used worldwide since 2005. Get the amazing Life Straw personal water filter at mypatriotsupply.com. Plus, check out Survival Seed Vault 20 seed varieties for only $37.95, Tatler Canning Lids, long term storable foods as low as $69.95, and much more at mypatriotsupply.com. 
Enjoy stress-free shipping on all orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927 or visit MyPatriotSupply.com. That's 866-229-0927. MyPatriotSupply.com. For emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. Do you owe the IRS money you can't pay? Then listen carefully, because you already know that the problem won't go away by itself. You can get help today from the leading tax expert in the country, Dan Pilla. Hi, I'm Dan Pilla. The IRS isn't going to just forget about you. Right now, the IRS is hiring thousands of tax collectors to go after delinquent accounts just like yours. That's why you need to take action today, and I can help. I take a simple but proven approach to solving your tax debt problem. First, I stabilize collections so you don't have to worry about wage and bank levies. Next, I build a detailed plan to get your debt reduced to the fullest extent possible, sometimes even eliminated. Finally, I work with you every step of the way to get your problem solved once and for all. So call now for a free consultation. Call 1-800-346-6829. Dan Pilla will solve your tax problem guaranteed. He's helped thousands of people and he can help you too. Call us today at 800-346-6829. That's 800-34-NO-TAX. You may snicker when you hear this message, but you won't laugh after you experience the best-kept health secret ever, camel milk. Camel milk is loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk. Camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and camel milk is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk and ten times higher in iron. And camel milk contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk is easily digested by those who are lactose and beta casein intolerant and comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under Products and Pricing for the spring special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com, CamelMilkForSale.com. Do you know what's going to happen next? Well, here's the Tech Night Owl, live with Gene Steinberg. We have Tanya Inks of Tidbits and Take Control Books, and we're exploring right now her book called Take Control of the iPad. And as you see, there's a lot of stuff going on that you don't really learn. I mean, if you want to learn about your new iPad and you open the box and this tiny little booklet in tiny little type, and you have to get your reading glasses on to see what they're saying, and they don't say very much. It just covers the basics. You want to know how to use it. You've got to spend a lot of time asking questions or checking Apple's health literature, or even better, just buy the book. Because you buy the book, it's all in one place, the things you need to know. We were talking about syncing. Have you noticed this, too, that the syncing process is kind of screwy? Oh, yeah. I, I've seen a lot of duplicate address book entries in my own contacts, and I've certainly heard from other people who have all manner of exciting problems and you can get up on Apple's knowledge base and you know read all kinds of troubleshooting information for if you you are unfortunate enough to have a problem and i i tend to i tend to be fairly relaxed about it if that makes sense i 
I believe that it, it should work and, and it usually works and that, that is what we want. But I find that you can't take it personally if it, if it doesn't work for you and it's not reasonable to expect that it, it will not be buggy. It, it's too hard. And we all know that Apple really, really wants it to work because too much of, of what they do and why people buy their stuff is because by and large it does work. So we know that Apple's working on it and we hope that they're working on our personal bugs. But we also know if you've even done any programming at all, just just how tricky this is. So I I know that many of my colleagues would cut Apple less slack than I do, but I tend to just, you know, yes, it is somewhat buggy. And, you know, if you run into problems, you know, here's some things you can do, or sometimes you just have to live with it. So for instance, I, like many people, live with the fact that periodically some contact in my contacts list appears, you know, 25 times. What's with that? Don't know. And I have figured out that if I get into a dress book on my Mac, I can delete them en masse and then they're gone for a while. And then you know, some other contact duplicates himself 15 times. And, you know, if I could solve it, I would. But Meanwhile, there are certainly other problems to solve. So I, I tend to, you know, not take it personally and just to try to, to focus on what's working well. But the iTunes thing, that's definitely where I get the most most of my questions. Fortunately, most of the questions I get are not because it's not working. It's because people don't know even even how to begin with it. You know, they just just as an example that I get all the time, people put PDF files. PDF is a format of an ebook. They put it into iTunes. Good. That's what they should do. Then they figure out how to sync their ebooks over to their iPad. Good, you know, good, they're doing really well. And then they can't find the PDF over on the iPad in the iBooks application. And then they think they did something wrong. They screwed up. Maybe PDFs aren't compatible with iBooks, whatever. They're stuck. And the, the truth of the matter is that iBooks sorts PDFs into a different collection. That's what it's called, it's a collection. And the PDFs are there. It's just that the person has to realize they need to tap a button up on the toolbar in iBooks in order to access their different collections. So most of the time when I help people, it's not that there's an actual bug exactly. It's that the way it works wasn't obvious enough and it, it needs to be brought brought to life so the person can get on with their life. Now, I know that one of the big problems with Apple's iOS and the App Store is that each app may use different ways, different schemes of navigation yes. to get information. And I know, for example, that just the other day I installed a new version of USA Today's iPhone app. And the first page, when you launch it for the first time, on first launch, it tells you how to tap or how to do whatever in order to bring out a specific interface. Like you pull everything down to update. And you slide one way for this. You swipe another way to do that. And, of course, five minutes later, you'll forget that. <laughs> <laughs> so I kind of think we're getting into gesture-itis here. 
I think there are so many gestures that have been added, and now they're being added to OS X, that people are going to get confused. Of course, if you look at the Windows side, you know, what does Microsoft want to do? Well, you know, how do we compete against Apple? We'll have more gestures. <laughs> but, I have a gesture know. too, but it's not recognized by any of these <laughs> interfaces. So, you know, it's with one thing, you don't want to go into it. I have a whole section in my book that talks about how to explore a new app, strategies for getting to know a new app that you've downloaded. And I do talk about, you know, how who knows what gestures might do useful things in the app. And I try to call to light some some common gestures like dragging down from the very top of the screen sometimes will re- refresh or re- reload a list of something. And I, I actually get a lot of my inspiration, not just from my own knowledge of the iPad, but from watching uh, preteens and teenagers use computers which I've been doing quite a lot of lately because I have a 13-year-old. They are not anything like older people because they don't uh, respect the computer or the mobile device as some sort of sacred object that you would handle carefully. They throw these things around the room. They tap them repeatedly. If something doesn't work, they just go ballistic and start tapping and clicking they're just as active with the computers as they would be with a ball or a stick. And I guess nothing. I was kind of lucky. Now, my son is twice 13, so therefore I don't have to worry about what he breaks anymore. That's up yes. to him. He lives in his own apartment in Madrid, by the way. Amazing kid. Anyway, so it looks to me like the 2008 MacBook that we got him as a graduation present has survived. On the other hand, every part inside has been replaced by Apple. But it doesn't look like he's thrown it about. I kind of just think that, you know, he got the luck of the draw there and he lost. At least he had an Apple Care policy on it. But right now he has a brand new 2008 MacBook in the sense that everything inside, batteries, <laughs> keyboard, logic board, display, they've all been replaced. Right. Well, anyway, as <laughs> as for him or any, anyone of any age, I just really encourage a whole lot of don't be afraid of it. Just try everything. Try repeatedly. And the more you use it, the more you're going to develop that, that gestural vocabulary and the more it will be very comfortable. And it, it's a big learning process for a lot of people. And I see a lot of people who get frustrated, spend three or four months just feeling like maybe they don't measure up, maybe they're not iPad people, but then at some point they kind of fall over the edge, they accumulate enough experience that they start to be comfortable. And it, it's a big it's a big jump. You know, the whole gesturing thing, it's just totally new. It's nothing like what we had before. I'll tell you something as an example, and we don't have much time left with this little session. My wife never took to personal computers at all. I mean, she knows how to read email and all that stuff and check a site. So... As soon as Apple sent me a review iPad for the iPad 2 and then, of course, the new iPad, I handed it to her and said, well, would you like to play with this? And she played with it. And then I said a day or two later, can I have it back? Why do you want it back? Well, I need to test something. I have to write an article about it. That's why they send out products to journalists to review so I could write about it and they get some coverage. I said, would you let me have it back? Well, I'm doing something right now. Can you come back in an hour? You can't take it away from her. It's there 24-7 next to her. It's either on the night table or being recharged in the kitchen or something like that. But she has it as a constant companion, even when she's watching TV. 
someone who's never used a personal computer except on a rare occasion to check email, she has it totally worked out. Like she's got 90% of it figured out. Tanya Inkst, 22 years of tidbits. Where do we find more of the stuff you do and especially to bring tidbits into the 23rd year? You can go to www.tidbits.com. And there's a link to Tidbits, or you can go to TakeControlBooks.com. Her book is called Take Control of Your iPad. And the little blurb says, whether you're new to the iPad or you're the person your friends and relatives turn to with iPad questions like she is, this ebook is for you. That way you'll read her book and you'll learn the answers to the questions so you don't have to make it up. <laughs> this way she had to go through the trudgery of figuring it out so you don't have to. It's Take Control of Your iPad. The author, Tanya Inks. Tanya, thank you so much for joining us this week on the Tech Night Out Live. Oh, thanks so much for having me. This was very fun. The GCN Radio Network, providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. GCN. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, this is Ted Anderson. If you'd like to listen to GCN programs on the go, I have great news. GCN has created a Droid and iPhone application, and it's free. Just as easy as going to GCNlive.com, click on the banner, and download. Before you know it, you'll be listening to your favorite hard-hitting GCN shows, live or on demand, right on your Droid or iPhone, 24-7 and on the go. So download the Droid and iPhone app free by clicking on the banner at GCNlive.com. Thanks again for listening to GCNlive.com. Again, that's GCNlive.com. Hi, this this is Ted Anderson. Have you ever wondered why banks, stockbrokers, investment advisors won't talk about gold IRAs? They've been available since 1986, yet the financial industry won't recognize the value of gold for your retirement. Gold has outperformed paper investments, yet no word about IRAs. If you would like to have gold for your retirement, call 800-686-2237. Don't get left behind by rising inflation and low returns. Call 800-686-2237. Secure your future and call 1-800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. We have some good words to say about our friend Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. That is, there is another member to the Pilch family. So uh, in the past week, my son Isaac was born. He was about the size of a ThinkPad T420 when he came out. Uh, that is about five and a half pounds, uh, but without the extended battery. And uh, he's doing well, and his mom is doing well. And uh, it really got me to thinking about the different kinds of technologies uh, that I use that he's never going to use and not just the ones that you know are ancient like uh, LPs and cassette tapes, but the ones which I use today, which by the time he's old enough to remember them, will be gone. Okay, now that name I like, Isaac. You think of a professor, a doctor, a lawyer. Did you think of that in picking the name, or was there a more, a more sensitive reason for it? Well, uh, Isaac means laughter, so I sure. kind of hope that he has a good sense of humor. So... Uh, plus, I wanted to give him a name that, uh, unlike my name, would be uh, easy to pronounce and easy to spell. You have to wonder what parents are thinking when they choose names for their newborns. Now, we had reasons for my son, Grayson Scott Steinberg, 
because each of those names had a Jewish equivalent of some relative. So we were able to do it that way, which is fairly traditional, and as you know. Yep. So you know, with this kind of name, he's he's able to uh, you know decide what he wants to do. It's an Old Testament name, so he could go and you know he could go and do do anything he wants with it. Uh, so I, I think I think it was it was pretty good, but not so common that you know we were thinking of Jacob, and believe it or not, uh, we can't do it because of the Twilight movies. Jacob was the number one name in uh, chosen in the United States last year, and the number one female name was Bella. And we do not want people to think that we named our son after a character from Twilight, so that had to come off the list. I don't know of any characters named Isaac in any current movie or TV show. I may be wrong. You know, I'm going to be filled with I email. Don't, I don't either, so that's that's pretty good. There's probably some, but I don't know of them. So, of course, you never know. Someone could go, come along during his lifetime to totally uh, screw up the name for everybody else. I mean, what if you were born named Michael Bolton and, you know, look what happens to you. There you go. Well, just think about this other name. David Jones. Now, we know David Jones as the late member of the vocal group, The Monkees. But there was another David Jones out there. And, of course, in show business, there's a tradition that if one person takes the name, the other can't. So the second David Jones said, okay, I can't use David Jones. That's taken. I'll use another name, David Bowie. And now you know, ladies and gentlemen, the rest of the story. Happens all the time, so if there's another Isaac Pelch, he's going to have problems. Indeed. Indeed. They're going to have a a standoff (laughs) in the ring and forget about it. They'll have new kinds of martial arts techniques 15, 20 years from now. But let's look at an article you wrote called 15 Current Technologies My Newborn Son Won't Use. Now, I understand here, my son was born in 1986. And even then, Betamax was pretty much passe. LP records were mostly passe. I mean, they were fading out rapidly in place of CD. 35-millimeter cameras, hmm, kind of. Personal computers just coming in. Think of what's changed. Now think of 2012, and Isaac Pilch is born into this world, but when he becomes 10 or 15 years old, a lot of the technologies we take for granted are not going to be there. He may not even know what they are or were. So, for example, let's go through the list here because this is fascinating to see where technology is going. Wired home Internet. Now, we think about our Ethernet cords, although we have Wi-Fi in lots of places, but you're suggesting it's on its way out. Yes. I mean, uh, I've gotten a lot of uh, pushback on this pick, but when you think about it, Right now, today, LTE is faster than most cable internet connections. At home, my cable internet connection is giving me 18 megabit per second down and maybe one to two up if I'm lucky. Uh, when I whip out my Verizon LTE phone, I'm able to get 15 to 20 megabit per second down, the same down speed, and I'm able to get five or six up. So I'm actually have better upload speed on LTE in my house than I do on the home internet. Now, the issue, of course, is cost. You can't today get uh, an LTE home internet package that would give you enough uh, bandwidth to use it. Maybe for Donald Trump, you can pay $10 a gigabyte uh, for your internet, for your LTE usage and just use that at home. Uh, But since there's already speed parity, 
it just seems like this whole business of having to have your house wired, have the cable guy come over and, and wire you or the Fios guy come over and wire you is going to go away because uh, it's obviously very uh, labor-intensive for the companies to do it, uh, to install and uninstall it, uh, and it makes it harder to uh, work in cities like New York where one building might be wired for Verizon and another building is not. Uh, and it, it obviously creates problems in rural areas. So I think that you're going to see a move toward wireless home internet and getting rid of uh, wired home internet just because it's easier to do. The cost isn't there right now, but somehow at some point it's they're going to realize that it is cheaper to actually give someone a wireless uh, connection than to install a wired one. Now, there's a history of this because they've tried this already. They're trying it now. They tried it back in the 90s. Sprint had something called Broadband Direct, which was okay in the early stages. It was comparable in performance to cable. We didn't have cable broadband where I was living at the time, but it didn't scale up very well. So once they had a lot of subscribers, the upload speeds tanked. So it didn't work. Then we have Clear, as you know, has a 4G WiMAX home internet service that's available right now in a lot of parts of the country, except performances, as we say in Brooklyn, feh. Yeah, it's not very good. I tested the Clear in my house. and It, you know, it wasn't it very maybe, clear. Yeah, it wasn't very clear. It got maybe two megabit uh, down, which is you know just about slightly better than 3G speeds. Uh, however, the concept is there, uh, and really all that needs to be there is the economics of it. So at some point when everybody is using wireless 4G or 5G even uh, on their phones, they're not going to want to pay separately for home, home internet. And so I think you know the quality is there. I mean LTE today is so good. That you really, I mean, there's some latency issues, but you really could use it as your only internet connection uh, and be very happy. As the uh, technology improves, that will get better. It's capable of up to 100 megabits, isn't it? Exactly. And, and you know, wait until we get to, you know, higher levels like LTE Advanced. Uh, I mean, it's so it just seems like why would you continue with the cords when you don't have to? So you, we figure five or ten years hence it will become economical enough to offer one internet package for you and you can use your wireless phone on it you could use your home internet on it it's going to be 100 megabits 200 500 whatever it's one way to wire the entire nation because you don't have to put in that infrastructure of cables right of course also in rural areas of course you have to have transmission receive systems that are within the range of people to receive them. I mean, if you're out somewhere in the middle of Montana or something, maybe you're a mile or two away from anything, but that will change. They have to do build out that network anyway, though, for the for the mobile devices. So it's really only one network that they have to build out, as opposed to building two networks like they are now, one for wired and one for wireless. And if they can get the capacity up and realize charging people a flat rate with a fairly unlimited amount of bandwidth, they'll get a lot more customers. And it will create a climate where everybody in this country can get 100 megabits, 200 megabits for something reasonably affordable. And suddenly magnificent things will happen because we'll all be wired connected. It means that things can be streamed online 
without worrying about the cable breakage. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. He is now daddy to Isaac Pilch. And we're talking about an article he wrote called 15 Current Technologies My Newborn Son Won't Use. And we've got a lot more on the Tech Night Out Live. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! of the Rockoids. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack! Attack! of the Rockwell, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. Hi, this is Peter Kronschnabel from Midas Resources. As you know, the federal government spending is at an all-time high, and inflation will be a direct result of the spending policy. European government and central bank spending policies have put the European Union on the brink of collapse. What are you doing right now to protect yourself financially? Are your assets working for you or against you? One thing is certain. Having physical possession of gold and silver will guarantee that no matter what happens to our economy or the dollar, your investment will never be worthless. And it will protect you from that hidden tax, inflation. If you've been thinking about investing in physical possession of precious metals or having an IRA in precious metals, I can help. Call me today, Peter Kronschnabel, at 800-686-2237, extension 108. And I'll take the time to personally put together a portfolio designed to protect what you've worked so hard for. Call 800-686-2237, extension 108. You've worked hard your whole life, and I want to work hard for you. Call Peter at 800-686-2237, extension 108. A healthy heart starts with Extendivite. I've always believed that I had to have a strong defense to overcome the new superbugs of today. Extendivite, a seven-herb heart protection cocktail, not only helped me to overcome a massive heart attack, but it also has built up my natural immune defenses against colds and flus. Extendivite has so many benefits that we all should be taking Extendivite to build up our defenses for what superbugs might emerge yet. So start today, clean out the toxins, and be as healthy as you can be. To order, call 1-877-928-8822. That's 1-877-928-8822. Or visit our website at heartdrop.com. Extend your life with over. Don't answer it. If fear strikes your heart when the phone rings knowing it may be another bill collector, it's time for you to call Zero Debt in 90 Days. 800-477-9256. Settlements, bankruptcy, and attorneys are not the answer and may end up costing you up to 10 times more than necessary. 
Listen, if you're already in debt, does it make sense to get buried in another payment plan? Zero Debt in 90 Days gets you out of debt in 90 days guaranteed without a payment plan and without attorneys or going to court. Get the fastest relief from debt on the planet when you call 800-477-9256. If you have debt with the IRS, credit card, student loans, or foreclosure, we can help at Zero Debt in 90 Days. And we're the only organization to provide written guarantees on the results. Go to ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. That's ZeroDebtGuarantee.com. Or call now for free information. 800-477-9256. That's 800-477-9256. Welcome back to Tech Night Owl Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, it's Uncle Gene. Yeah, it's him. Aaron Pilch of Laptop Magazine, who one person on this world right now can call him daddy when he learns how to talk. And we're talking about the 15 technologies that his son will probably know little or nothing about except in the history books when he becomes a teenager. Dedicated cameras and camcorders. iPhone. End of most of the reason for having those things. Yeah, I mean, it's already over. I mean, there's very little point in getting a point-and-shoot camera today. I mean, obviously, for people who are prosumers and they want a DSLR, uh, I think that will stay. But there's just no point. I mean, that's almost over today. And iPhone obviously has a great camera, but just just this week, I reviewed the HTC One S, uh, which is an Android phone that has a wonderful 8-megapixel camera, can shoot in burst mode, can filter your photos. So there's a lot of reasons why you wouldn't want to have a separate camera device. And most cameras can't even share your photos with the Internet, don't have filters. They're way behind. Why would you want one? And you think the iPhone 5 might be 12 megapixels. Who knows? Yeah, I mean, this is this is so dead. And we've already seen the almost death of consumer camcorders as well. I mean, the flip and that category died. I hate uh, to say the flip flopped, but I think when Cisco bought flip, they didn't look in the future and say, you know what, this technology has maybe a year or two of shelf life before smartphones and tablets take over. Yeah, I mean, it. it I think maybe they misread uh, how fast the growth of smartphones would take place because you know yeah that's a that's kind of a tweener device now we what we do see today are companies like Samsung coming out with point and shoot cameras and camcorders that have internet connectivity on them have Wi-Fi so that you can upload directly from the camera but what they're uh, doing it seems to me is they're trying to take a little bit of the thunder away from the smartphone and the tablet and all they're doing is not providing a satisfactory alternative as someone once said the best camera for you is the one that you have when you need to take that picture. Exactly. So the real key is, you know, smartphone cameras today, a lot of them aren't that great, but some are But some are getting better. Uh, the HTC's one series, eight megapixel cameras, really nice, sharp photos, have uh, high dynamic range capability, which gives you the ability to, to take, uh, to meter the light better when you have two objects, one of which in the foreground is dark and the background is light or whatever, it, it meters better. Uh, Burst mode, slow-mo, all the things that you would expect from a consumer camera. Now, look, if you're a professional, a journalist like me, and you go to trade shows and you need to photograph stuff, you don't use your camera today, and you probably won't. You take out something that is a DSLR that has a giant lens, and that's not going to be replicated on something that fits in your pocket like a camera. Not yet, but give it five years, they'll find a way. Let's go to number three. Door number three, landline phones. Now, let me tell you, 
my phone lines right now are VoIP, Internet Phone Services. Okay, so we use a company called Phone Power for our two office phones. We have a fax line, which is done by an online faxing service, Internet Faxing Service. So we don't have anything that you call a traditional landline. My son, where he lives, he does have a landline phone. Most of the time he uses his mobile phone. He lives in Spain. But the point is here is that there's only one number that follows him everywhere, and it would work if he was allowed to use his mobile phone from America with AT&T in Europe and not make his dad go broke. So it's on the way here. At some point, you were mentioning here that 26% of U.S. homes have wireless phones only. So how long is it going to take before landlines are gone for good? And, and by landline, I also mean your voice phones, uh, okay. not just things that are using the copper wire. Because the copper wire, I mean, phone. most of the phone companies are now pushing people onto VoIP, and people are buying from their cable companies landline phones. Uh, and the cable companies it. are VoIP, by the way. Now, in fact, yeah. Cox used to have a separate interface for this, but now they give you a combined cable modem with your phone interface and your Internet. All coming one connection, it is VoIP. Now, I'm, I'm embarrassed to admit, but, but up until like last year, my wife and I still had a VoIP line from the cable company we were paying $20 a month for because we thought it was good to have that extra phone. And then we realized like this is money that we don't need to be spending. Why do we need to have separate, a separate phone number for the house? And just the concept of having a house phone or even a desk phone at your job, I think that's all going away. People don't make phone calls as much as they used to. They use other forms of communication. I don't think that the concept of calling a place rather than a person uh, is going to persist, except when you're calling a business and you need sort of a general number or a general answer. So I think that in the home, except for maybe people who really are slow to move on, like my parents, it's really going to phase out very quickly and you know what today is 26% i think uh, you know a few years from now it's going to be 80 90% of people who don't bother having a separate home phone or a separate desk phone and i think even at small businesses you're going to see them go away and just the the smartphone the cell phone is going to be the only phone and everything no will be wireless it. everything and, as we said before internet everything slow booting computers we're starting to see that now with the MacBook Air, and, of course, the Ultrabooks from the Intel platform. So is it all just the moving to solid-state drives that causes slow-booting computers to boot instantaneously? Well, I think part of it is just keeping things on all the time. So I think you're going to see people booting less and going into sleep mode more on their notebooks and on their computers. So uh, you know they're not going to need to reboot. Uh, of course, now when you do reboot on something like the MacBook Air, you can do it in 15 seconds, which is a pretty short period of time, but that's still an eternity in quantum physics. I think you're going to see those boot times come down even further, but you're also going to see people need to reboot less. It's going to be more like the experience you have on your phone where unless something really goes wrong with your phone, you never reboot it. I think we're getting there in terms of the sleep times, the wake times, the ability to wake from sleep, which is helped both by the operating system, uh, Mac OS X, and the latest version of Windows is going to improve this a great deal, Windows 8, uh, and is also helped by the hardware. 
so I think waiting for things to boot is going to be something that he never experiences. And it's going to be one of those things where I say to him, you know, my day, we waited two minutes for Windows to start and we liked it because he's not going to have that experience that is the biggest pain point for a lot of people today. And you feel the traditional windowed operating system, Mac OS X, Windows, going to be history. It's just going to be touch-friendly. It's going to be just like the iOS and Windows phone. I don't think it will be exactly that, because I think there's still a role for doing more multitasking and placing items next to each other. But the traditional window where you have those little widgets for minimize and maximize and close the window and dragging windows around, I think that the market is moving away from it slowly. There will have to be a compromise because you can't be all touch, all finger friendly because people want to have more precise movements. You're not, you can't do great photo editing with your finger. You do want to have multitasking and put different screens next to each other. But I think the window metaphor of having these sort of window widgets, dragging them around, I think we're slowly moving away from that. When you see what Microsoft is doing with Windows 8's Metro UI and how it's letting you kind of split the screen between different apps by sort of dragging a line between them. But honestly, by the way, I should tell you, because we've got to do the break now, I am no fan of Windows 8. But what Microsoft wants to do, it's probably the right thing, but maybe they're going to have to refine it further. Avon Pilch joining us. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are the GCN Radio Network. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. So here's what happened. I was placing an order online. The site went down. It just stopped responding. It took hours before it returned, but I'd already placed the order with another company. If your site goes down, you could lose business. And if you have a business or personal site, you'll want to know it's easy to run and it will stay online. At iWeb, your site is hosted on one of the most reliable networks in the world. Check it out. iWeb.com. That's iWeb.com. BePrepared.com is making deals in April because you need to be prepared now and you need to save. BePrepared.com is the official site of Emergency Essentials, a 24-year leader in emergency preparedness supplies. Everything from long-term food storage to emergency kits, water storage and filtration to alternative light and heat sources. What's on sale? Now through April 30th, save 28% on a freeze-dried garden vegetable combo, which includes peas, corn, beans, cauliflower, celery, and onions. Save 33% on the Catadine Hiker Micro filter new instant white rice as low as 849 and a 72-hour mre food and water supply a 72 dollars value for only 49.99 and much more at beprepared.com call 800-999-1863 to experience exceptional customer service and our low price guarantee that's 800-999-1863 hurry the beprepared.com april sale ends april 30th the choice is clear be unprepared or beprepared.com 
Would it save you time to get the best quality water filters and the best quality storable foods from one company? You bet it would, and now you can at BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Big Berkey water filter products and great-tasting, long-lasting, storable, wise foods are both now available on one website, BigBerkeyWaterFilters.com. Wise foods, ready-to-eat meals are packed in airtight nitrogen pouches and come with a 25-year shelf life. Big Berkey water filters are powerful enough to purify treated, untreated, or even stagnant pond water. Combine Berkey water filters with wise foods for an unbeatable preparedness combination. Get free shipping on every order over $50. And GCN listeners receive 5% off all ceramic filter systems. Visit big, B-E-R-K-E-Y, waterfilters.com or call 877-99-BERKEY. That's 877-99-B-E-R-K-E-Y or go to bigberkeywaterfilters.com. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all-natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com, spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com, Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. Pro-EM-1, the raw probiotic. You're listening to the Tech Night Owl Live with Gene Steinberg. You never know what's going to happen next. We have Avram Pilch. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live looking at the technologies that when Isaac Pilch is 10 or 15 years old may not be there anymore. Another one, of course, is hard drives. And we bring this up because we had that problem in Thailand where for a while hard drive production went down the tubes because of all the problems there, starting to come back online. But the traditional hard drive, which is probably the most unreliable component, on a personal computer. It's an endangered species. How long is it going to last before SSD is cheap enough to take over? Five years or less. Uh, that's my prediction. Now, in, in servers, in you know, environments where businesses are hosting just huge amounts of data, the hard drive will remain for a, while, for a bit longer because the cost is so low. But for the end user in a business or home setting, the hard drive will be gone because... It is so unreliable. It is so slow. It eats more power. Really, people would change today if they could. Cost is the only thing holding them back. And as the cost of producing SSDs hits that point where it's not that much more expensive than than producing hard drives, the paradigm is going to shift. They're going to produce less hard drives. The economies of scale will kick in. And the hard drive and magnetic media era will be over. And when you think about this, this is an era that goes back not just 10, 20 years, but a long time because what we're really talking about is the end of magnetic media. As now, I understand know. here, too, 
when you go look at a hard drive today and you buy a terabyte hard drive for you know $85 or two terabytes, whatever it is now, when I was working at a graphic arts studio back in the 1970s, they put in a bookkeeping accounting system. They got a five megabyte, five megabyte, not terabyte, five megabyte hard drive, huge thing. Looked like, you know, stacking a couple of dozen LP records end on end cost $10,000. My first hard drive on a Mac, 100 megabytes, $1,200. I'm getting old. So there you go. Let's go to the next one, which is interesting. Movie theaters. Instead of going to the multiplex, what do you do? Just watch it at home. I think there's definitely going to be some sadness when a lot of the movie theaters start to close, but I think this is going to happen for several reasons. And I know people have been predicting the death of the movie theater uh, since television started in the 40s and 50s, but there's a lot of reasons today why the movie theater is an endangered species. I think we'll still continue to see art house theaters and you know the occasional theater that people go to socially, but I think the multiplex, the ubiquitous multiplex is over. And the reasons why are are, are many. First of all, the quality of home theater now is really at the point where it's close to matching, if not exceeding the quality that you get in the movie theater. A lot of movie theaters don't even give you the best quality picture. Second of all, the cost of going to the movies is gotten really out of control at this point. You know, imagine taking your family of four to a movie here in New York where it's thirteen dollars for an adult ticket for a non three D movie and then buying the popcorn. Finally, I think the main reason why the thing that's going to really be the tipping point uh, for the end of movie theaters is that studios are starting to release films on demand day and date with their movie theater release or by the one it. movie that I recall that to be is this movie called Margin Call. You know, it was kind of about the early days of the financial crisis where you saw one of these companies that engaged in derivatives and all these crazy financial packages going under. And they had a great group of actors, Kevin Spacey, Zachary Quinto, of course, who produced the film. And he's now, of course, Spock in the new Star Trek series. This film was released to the movie theaters and on demand everywhere, same day. See, when you see the studios doing that, and of course the theater owners don't like it, but when you see the studios doing that, you know that the studios themselves are thinking that this movie theater thing is coming to an end because it used to be that they made these films and, oh no, we're going to keep these in the theater for a long time. Uh, but they've been cutting that window between the time that it comes out on video, uh, you know, on demand or on DVD, uh, for home viewing and the time that it comes out in theaters to be a shorter and shorter and shorter window. And now that you have things coming out the same day, uh, that's, I mean, that to me is the death knell for movie theaters. I think that socially, you know, people are going to miss the experience of going. But then again, with all the other annoying patrons, I think you're just going to see more things where people watch together online. There are a lot of apps coming out and things coming out which encourage online social viewing where you can chat with your friends while you're both viewing the same movie at the same time. So I think that is what is going to replace the movie theater. Now, I understand. I live two blocks from a large multiplex with a big theater, not IMAX scale, but pretty close. Okay, one of the Harkins theaters here in the Phoenix area. Two blocks. But when a movie comes out, we wait for the DVD or on-demand version. 
And on demand with like direct TV, you're getting 1080p, or now Apple offers it with the Apple TV. So we wonder how often are we going to go to the movies? All right, the Avengers and the Dark Knight Rises, I guess we'll go for that. And next year, Man of Steel, the new Superman reboot. But we don't go to the movies like we used to. We go once or twice a year. And who can afford it? I don't know. I haven't seen a study of how movie prices have grown relative to inflation, but it seems to be growing a lot faster than inflation. And this is exactly the kind of thing that people can afford not to spend on in a tough economy. And you have to think the movie studios and the people who own theaters, they're going to price themselves out of business. That's what's happening. The mouse is going bye-bye, you tell me. Now, I remember the mouse from the 1980s. It was invented in the 1960s as a wood device. First invented in the 60s, still using it. Is it all going to be touch then? Touch pads and things like that? Touch screens? Everything is going to come with a touch screen, whether you need it or not, within a few years. The price delta between making a screen without capacitive touch and making one with capacitive touch will be so small that every computer you buy, every television you buy, every monitor for your desktop you buy will have touch capability that you can use or or ignore. Obviously, it's kind of annoying to reach across uh, your laptop or reach across your desk and touch something every time you want to do work. So I think other things will also replace the mouse besides simple touch. Apple has, of course, the magic trackpad, which is basically taking the interface and functionality of the trackpad on its notebook computers and letting you do that on a desktop Mac. I think because the market is moving towards notebooks and away from desktops, which is another item on this list, the need for people to buy external mice and the desire for them to buy external mice is going to diminish. I still think there will be a place for pointing devices that mimic the mouse, such as the touchpad. But I also think that gesture control will be something that people use and voice commands. And so the mouse itself is going to fade into the background. I don't think pointing devices as a whole will, will disappear because you need accuracy for certain tasks. But I think the old school mouse is already fading because of the ubiquity of laptops. And a lot of people just are saying, even though I like the mouse best, are saying, ah, I can just live with my trackpad or whatever they give me on this notebook. And just think, Apple uses cat names for their operating systems. More and more of those operating systems, especially Lion and Mountain Lion, are eating the mouse. Now, here's (laughs) one I have to agree with you a million percent. I do not think there's anybody out there listening to the Tech Night Out Live who will disagree with me. When I say that something that first came online in the 1950s, the movie House of Wax, you had put on those dreadful glasses. You buy a 3D TV today, you have two kinds of glasses. You have active and passive, active being electronic and expensive, passive being just like the ones in the movie theater. They're going bye-bye, aren't they? Yeah, I mean, there's no question. We are already seeing devices that do away with glasses. They just have certain limitations to them. So uh, last year, Toshiba released a Cosmio notebook that does glasses-free 3D and does it really well. The only limitation is it uses the webcam to track one user's eyes and present the image in 3D. So having multiple users viewing the screen is a challenge. And, of course, we see phones now... uh, from LG, from the likes of LG and HTC that have stereoscopic 3D, uh, which is not the best effect, but it works completely without glasses. And so, by the way, we did a show with a company that had a technology for 3D without the glasses. We'll get into more of this in a moment. We have the 3D man himself, all three dimensions of Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live.
Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes, The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack, Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack, Attack. Of the Rockaway, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you're not prepared, get preparedexpo.com, the biggest and best preparedness expo in the USA. Coming April 28th and 29th, getpreparedexpo.com. Over 125 seminars and exhibits, climate change, water filtration, wholesale batteries, freeze-dried foods, MacGyver 101, storm shelters, shortwave and ham radios, solar power, buy your first farm, heating with wood, home defense, ammo, homeschool your children, and teleseminars with James Wesley Rawls, Bob Chapman, and Julia Shopik. Get Prepared Expo. Expo.com, Ozark Empire Fairgrounds, Springfield, Missouri. Saturday and Sunday, April 28th and 29th. Meet your USAPrepares.com instructors. Vincent Finelli, John Moore, Matt Stein, Larry Pratt, Dr. Julie Pinnock, Beth Ann, David Christopher, Julia Shopik, Robert Allen, and over 30 more. GetPreparedExpo.com. Download program flyers and $8 discount coupons at GetPreparedExpo.com. Don't miss GetPreparedExpo.com. Saturday and Sunday, April 28th and 29th. Four, five, six, even seven dollars a gallon? According to fuel industry insiders and economic experts, those are the forecasted fuel prices with no end in sight. Fight back fuel prices with a fuel saver from airfusionsystems.com. These fuel savers can save you from 20 to 40 percent. They're designed to fit any vehicle from compacts to SUVs to transport trucks. The fuel saver works on all gas, diesel, even propane engines. Easy do-it-yourself installation in about 15 minutes. And the best part? No engine modifications, no computer chipping, no running wires, no chemicals, no water, no running costs, and no maintenance. And these fuel savers come complete with all parts and accessories. See how it works at airfusionsystems.com, spelled A-I-R-F-U-S-I-O-N, systems.com. Or call 888-887-9981, 888-887-9981. Fuel savers from airfusionsystems.com. Save fuel, save money, save earth. You may snicker when you hear this message, but you won't laugh after you experience the best-kept health secret ever, camel milk. Camel milk is loaded with health benefits far superior to other milk. Camel milk has antibacterial, antiviral, and anti-tumor properties, is rich in B vitamins, and camel milk is three times higher in vitamin C than cow's milk and ten times higher in iron. And camel milk contains 52 units of insulin-like proteins per liter, effectively lowering blood sugar levels. Many of our members testified that drinking camel milk reversed diabetes and greatly improved autism. Camel milk is easily digested by those who are lactose and beta casein intolerant and comes fresh or frozen from your trusted local family farm shipped on dry ice to preserve freshness. 
Go to CamelMilkForSale.com now and look under Products and Pricing for the Spring Special with free bonus pints. That's CamelMilkForSale.com, CamelMilkForSale.com. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberger in the Tech Night Out Live, looking at the 15 inventions that Isaac Pilch will probably not see except in the history books or maybe in his dad's garage when he's 10 or 15 years old. And the 3D glasses, I can't wait for those technologies to take over as they will. The remote control, the couch potato solution. Now, these days we have like a Logitech Harmony, which is a universal remote control. But you're saying remotes are going away. Is it going to be just smartphones doing it or what? I think it'll be a combination of things. For one, because everyone is going to have smartphones and tablets, the need to have a separate remote to control those things is diminishing. I do understand there's some ergonomic benefits to having the remote. I mean, your, your smartphone doesn't have that nice up-down button, although you can mimic that virtually. But considering that you can now manage your cable box over the Internet, you're getting more and more tablets and phones that have infrared in them. I think you're going to see the remote, which you constantly lose, going away. But it's not going to be only in favor of mobile devices that you already own, like your smartphone and tablet. It's also going to be gesture control. We already see what the Kinect is doing with gesture control. Obviously, we think Apple's going to come out with an Apple TV that has Siri for voice control. So basically, Siri, give me channel 340. Yep. Or Siri... Program channel 340 for 10 p.m. tonight. Exactly. Uh, I mean, channel surfing, though, you might have to say, I can imagine somebody saying, Siri, up, 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 down. Up, up, and away, it's Superman. No. Uh, Remember on uh, radio when they had Superman, imagine something that's visual on radio. Radio, they had to describe everything. So Superman would always say to tell you he's flying up, up, and away. (laughs) That's true, by the way. In radio, you always signaled exactly what the person was saying. Oh, that light in the left of the room next to the couch, it fell. Maybe the criminal ran into it. That's how you had to do scripts for radio because you had to create the visual image in words. Of course. Okay, desktop computers. Now, this is already happening. Apple sells three-quarters of their Macs are now notebooks. So we're seeing that trend in the industry. Desktop computers are going bye-bye, except, I guess, for professional content creators, right? Yeah, and I think at a certain point, they may go for them, too, because the price delta between a notebook and a desktop is getting so small. Basically, right now, for the average consumer, there's not much incentive to buy a desktop at all. I mean, you get a little bit more power for your money, but you can now buy a notebook for $400 easily. The average notebook price is about $510. I don't think the average desktop price is that much less than that. And there's Uh, another thing, too, to mention. One thing, this is an Apple Intel invention, which is Thunderbolt, which is now on Macs, but is spreading to Windows PCs, too. And this provides like the equivalent of an external PCI slot. So on a notebook computer, you can get these add-on breakout boxes and be able to add all your expansion stuff or RAID drives without having to have that big, ugly tower computer. And by the way, the Mac Pro is also ugly. 
I don't care about which brand. They're all ugly if they're mini towers or full-size towers. Well, they eat up a lot. They eat up a lot of space, and I, you know, I don't think that external monitors or keyboards are going away because they provide a good ergonomic experience. But there's no reason why you wouldn't be able to use those, and people do use them all the time with with a laptop. Perhaps there will still be a place for gaming desktops for a while still, but even that. I think they're going to see parity with laptops at some point. Right now, that is one area where if you want a game, you have to pay a lot more to get a really good gaming notebook than you do to get a good gaming desktop. But I think that's going to to come to an end because, again, economies of scale. As fewer people buy desktops, there are going to be fewer parts made for them, and it's going to become more expensive to own a desktop. And there are also Intel seeing this is developing more and more powerful mobile chips so the processor power you want quad core you can get it in a notebook and the difference in performance between the notebook and the desktop often is limited to the hard drive and as solid state drives pervade both platforms it won't be a difference the only consideration would be the larger screen display which you can buy separately okay so in the old days what's your phone number five 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 in the tv shows and movies because you didn't want a real number so it was always five 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 but now i can't remember what my phone numbers were in other parts of the country i recognize my phone number here because i've had it for 21 years but you're saying phone numbers are passe and they will disappear. Yeah, I mean, if you look at it right now, first of all, they're already in the background. Most of us don't remember anyone's phone number. We have a contact list, uh, and the contact list is tied to phone numbers, but we don't even remember them. At a certain point, voice dialing is going to fade into the background as a technology because uh, right now, as your listeners may not know, we're talking on Skype. And we didn't use phone numbers. We used usernames to connect. And I think that's where the future is. Voice communication is going to be part of the overall package of communicating. People will use other services that are not necessarily the traditional phone number to do it. And even if there is a number behind them, it will be completely invisible to the user, just like IP addresses are invisible today. So, for example, if you go to www.apple.com, it's converting it to one or more IP numbers. So if you ask for Gene Steinberg, and I won't tell you what my username is on different services, you will find me. I will be found out. You know, They won't have to worry what your phone number is. They just have to get your username. And that username, right now you have different usernames for different services, but we assume they will be uniform in one day. I think that's the biggest challenge that's keeping phone numbers around today is that they are a universal standard. And I think one of the biggest challenges that we do have to overcome is that, that there's a lot of fragmentation in, uh, in voice communication, right? So you have Skype, you have Uvu, you have FaceTime. And I think what is needed is for the, somebody to come out with a universal client. But until they do, people are going to continue to have separate Skype, Google Talk, etc. addresses. But I think you're going to see that people are going to use that more and more and phone numbers less and less. Already there are studies showing that teenagers barely talk on the phone at all. So when you combine the sort of decline in phone usage and voice phone usage with the all these other services that don't give you a number, I think pretty soon there's going to be a day when people buy a, cell, a smartphone and it doesn't have a phone number at all. Okay, the next thing which is already disappearing is primetime television. I mean, if you look at the ratings 
the ratings for the overnights, which is what we get here in the United States from Nielsen. It shows a declining total audience, and then you add in the DVR rating, and suddenly a show that may not seem too popular, like Fringe, the rating doubles. It's called time shifting, and it starts from the days of the VCR where you said, I'm going to record this TV show tonight because I'm not going to be home or I'm going to be watching something else. But up until then, and even now, TV was scheduled on an event basis. Tune in tonight at 8 p.m. Central Time for whatever show it's going to be. That's going bye-bye. And I think it's going to have a big effect on TV advertising because advertising is really not sold for the time-shifting audience. It's sold for the audience that's going to tune in at exactly that moment. But when you think about it, this is a really 20th century mentality for, for the year 2012 and beyond. Very few of us, uh, at least younger folks, actually watch uh, scheduled programming when it's supposed to be on. If it's a live event, like a Yankees game, yeah, I'll tune in and watch that uh, at the moment that it's on. But otherwise, I don't watch Fringe when it's on. I wait until I, I have time and then I watch it. Because you can well, then fast forward through the ads. Well, not only that, but why does it matter uh, that it's on at 10 p.m. and maybe another show that I want is also on at the same time uh, or maybe I'm out at that time in the future, I think in the very near future, you're going to see networks and others just saying, okay, we're posting our show for on-demand viewing, whether that on-demand viewing is through your cable or directly through the website. It's going to be posted at 9 p.m. or at X, X time. Go watch it whenever. And that's pretty much the case because a lot of websites, a lot of the networks, Fox, NBC, ABC, make most of their programming available for free through their websites now. And you can also get on demand on network shows you may have forgotten to record through most of the cable and satellite providers. So it's no longer event TV except, as you say, special sporting events, special current events, things like that. Otherwise, it doesn't matter. Or maybe, you know, American Idol or something like that because you want to know which singer was thrown off. So that's an event. But as you say, it's going to change. But also the ad-driven model has to change because if you can fast forward through the ads, you either have to make the ads in such a way that people will be attracted to them. And maybe people are watching, for example, Samuel L. Jackson talk to Siri on his smartphone, knowing he's the kind of guy who, if the phone didn't work, he'd smash it against the window <laughs> and, or crush it because he's Nick Fury from S.H.I.E.L.D. in the movie The Avengers. I don't want to get into that. We have Avram Pilch of Laptop Magazine. I'm Gene Steinberg. You're in the Tech Night Out Live. The GCN Radio Network. Providing the world with hard-hitting talk radio. G-C-N. Great talk radio starts here. Hi, Ted Anderson announcing a great way to listen to radio on the telephone. By calling 760-569-7700, you'll be hearing GCNlive.com programs in seconds. Come to GCNlive.com, find your favorite host's dedicated phone number, and hear them 24-7. You heard me right, every show has a dedicated phone number. Stop by GCNlive.com and bookmark their number today. And again, that's 760-569-7700.
We the people grow cotton, weave fabric, engrave ink, embed strips and fibers to protect from counterfeit, and carting to a private bank, having it led back at interest, forcing taxes to service debt. This capitalism, or was Jefferson correct when stating a central bank issuing the public currency is a greater menace to the liberties of the people than a standing army? Ted Anderson, I'm placing a free silver dollar in a book that explains our monetary system. Call for your copy, 800-686-2237. It's time to understand the system. Call 800-686-2237. That's 800-686-2237. Welcome back to the Tech Night Out Live, where you never know what's going to happen next. And now, here's Gene Steinberg. So think about that. Apple seldom, by the way, uses famous people visually in their ads. They may have famous announcers, you know, Peter Coyote and Jeff Goldblum or other people doing the voiceovers, but actually showing a TV star and a movie star in iPhone ads, that's different. Okay, primetime television, going to be changing. Everybody can get a DVR for free or next to nothing. They're all pretty serviceable. Another thing that's gone now pretty much, although they exist in the sense of online services, fax machines. Fax is really the cockroach of gadgets. Don't hold back. Tell us what you really think. (laughs) I, I'm not going to take the total credit for that. I, I consulted when I wrote my article with Ross Rubin, uh, who's an analyst for NPD Group. And he's a regular and guest here. He's an old friend of ours. He said the fax machine is a cockroach. <laughs> That's and Ross. Will, That's Ross. And I will credit, I will credit him with that, and I, but I totally agree with it. When you think about it, this technology goes back to the 50s and 60s. I was watching the movie Almost Famous a few years ago. I don't know if you've seen it. Uh, yes. But there's this... There's a great movie. There's a scene in the movie where the main character, the Cameron Crowe character, is like he's writing his article in New York and he needs to send it back to Los Angeles for Rolling Stone to read. And the editor from Rolling Stone tells him, stop by our New York office. We have this new thing called a fax machine and you can send your article to us in California to read by running it through this fax machine. That movie is taking place in 1973. This is 2012, and yet my office here still has a fax machine. I got a document from my bank the other day where they asked me to either mail or fax it. I couldn't email it. There's a number of services and things that we run into in life, whether it's dealing with institutions like banks or insurance companies uh, or things like that, that still want you to fax. They won't accept email, but you see... What I'm doing is I'm fooling them because all I do is I take the electronic copy, use my online fax service to fax it to them to their physical machines. You see, I got a leg up on them, but that's just the intermediary step. And still the quality sucks. They have to give up the ghost. I think you're going to see a couple of things that are going to lead to the end for fax machines, but it's been an incredibly long, a way too long run. One is I think laws are changing to make it easier for companies to accept, and frankly, a lot of them can accept just to choose not to, uh, digital signatures. We're also seeing that with uh, touch devices like the iPad, you're going to see more online forms where you can scrawl your signature into the form and so it's acceptable okay you signed this that's one thing that's changing and then more companies are starting to say okay even email or or accepting on an online form is valid 
Beyond that, the death of copper phone lines is killing fax machines because while you set up a virtual fax machine, the reason the company that you dealt with wanted it is because probably they have a copper fax machine, you know, a fax machine hooked up to their copper telephone line. Well, as more people move to VoIP and move even away from VoIP to mobile, fax is going to go with it. Uh, and the changing attitudes towards documents and what's a legal signature are really going to seal its fate. Well, right now, our last lease with the apartment complex in which we live, we signed it electronically. We didn't sign anything physically except for the initial application. After that, everything was done electronically. Of course, they can also throw you out of this apartment electronically if you don't pay your rent. So that's how life is. You know that in New York. You know, nobody owns a house in New York unless you're worth about $12 million. <laughs> that's the minimum, by the way. You know, so normal people have to rent. So that's how it goes. All right. One other invention before we get into a couple of other topics. This one we kind of all agree with, but let's just back up a little bit. Okay. From our earliest days on this planet, we wanted to play back music or something. We had a physical object in our hand, a phonograph record, a cassette, a CD, a DVD of movies, replacing, of course, another physical medium, magnetic tape. Now, of course, people went crazy when Apple released the MacBook Air. My heavens, there's no optical drive. Yes, it's available externally. And we're seeing more and more notebook computers, Mac and PC, no optical drive. Tell us the story. It's gone, right? Almost. Yeah, I also think that not only is DVD gone, but so is its successor, Blu-ray, which has gone off the ground for some people, but you don't see it on a lot of notebooks. There's just no point in continuing this sort of charade of coming out with more more and more high-capacity discs. It's expensive. You can lose them. They take up space. You know, they get scratched. You know, they've had a nice run. They were certainly a huge improvement over LPs and a huge, huge improvement over cassettes. But the time is is come where we're going to see them end. Already, you don't need an optical drive to run on your computer. Run your computer, and of course, a lot of our films are sticking in the cloud now. People are streaming things on demand. I think the one thing that keeps DVDs and possibly Blu-rays, probably Blu-rays, around for longer than they should be, is the fact that when people have already bought something, they don't like to rebuy it. So, if my father has you know a hundred DVDs. Uh, is not going to be keen to rebuy those things as downloadable or cloud service films. It would have been when you had the transition from videotape to the original DVD because the quality difference was so vast. But when it comes to regular DVD and Blu-ray with up-converting DVD players, yeah, it's not quite as good, but you're 10 feet away from the TV. It's not so bad. And the difference between, say, Blu-ray and whatever you're going to get online, actually Blu-ray right now is probably better than a lot of online streaming services because there's more data than you would get in a stream. But still, I think the convenience factor, it's just really inconvenient to use disks. We know that everything is going online to either cloud or downloadable services Hopefully, there's going to be more done in the terms of downloadable films because if you have to stream things, that's an issue uh, when you have limited connectivity. Uh, but I think ultimately, and not too long from now, everything is going to be is going to be done through the cloud. 
on demand. Uh, I mean, I think about myself right now. When is the last time I watched a DVD movie and I can't remember? I'll tell you what. I have one right now. Mission Impossible Ghost Protocol. Only because, you know, it doesn't cost me any different, really, to rent, you know, three or four DVDs on the month from Blockbuster or Netflix then to get them online, maybe it's a few more dollars, but I don't have to wait or worry that they're out of stock. But that takes us back to topic number one. As we close out this discussion, it takes us back to door number one, which says the death of wired home Internet. So if everything is in the cloud, we're going to have to have a system where bandwidth is virtually unlimited. Because even today, your Cox, your Comcast, they have limits in the amount of data you can download. For most people, it doesn't make a difference. But if everything that you watch is in the cloud, stored in the cloud, it's going to make a difference real fast. Like, look, for example, the people testing the new iPad. It's got LTE, and they test it. Oh, gee, in a few hours I use up my bandwidth, my 2 to 4 gigabytes that I'm getting from Sprint or AT&T or Verizon. Well, you can't do that with TV. If you're watching TV in the cloud 8, 10 hours a day, you know, something's going to give in a week. You're going to use up all your bandwidth. This is a huge challenge because you really have to get some more competition into the broadband space. Perhaps going wireless will help because you don't have to wait for your block to be wired. But there's going to have to be some competition and some incentives out there to increase the amount of bandwidth. And right Uh, now, most people don't have that alternative. Where I live, it's a big city, Phoenix. Big city, right? We have Cox Communications for Broadband Internet. I don't know if Clear is here, but of course the speeds are pathetic. What other option do I have? Well, maybe CenturyLink, which bought Quest, which was the old traditional phone company. They have a DSL-related service. Oh, I can't get that. Why can't I get it? Because the complex here, and it could be an apartment complex. It can be even a complex of new homes. It's not wired for them. So if they didn't wire it or they didn't participate in the wiring... You can't get an alternate service. I'm stuck with one. I'd love to have a choice of two. Same, same in my building. I can't get Verizon Fios. I would love to get Verizon Fios in my building. Other buildings in, in my area get Verizon Fios, but they haven't bothered with my building. So you have to talk cable to your, is all we can get. You have to talk to your management people and yell. We're not going to yell at Avram Pilch at Laptop Magazine. It's interesting, though, how the technologies and the look at the departing technologies goes full circle. On the Tech Night Out Live. Graphic Converter is the image manipulation tool for the rest of us. It does not use any database. You get full control of all your files. Want to view the images of a folder? Drag it into Graphic Converter, and a powerful browser opens up to show your image files. You could use it for slideshows. You could use it to import images from digital cameras or from scanners. Need to do some image editing? You can do that, too, in Graphic Converter. Also, print catalogs convert from so many formats i can't even list them download now to see if graphic converter is good for you like one and a half million other users guess what you could save money when you buy graphic converter use the coupon code night owl use the coupon code night owl to get a special price for graphic converter go to lemkesoft.com that's l-e-m-k-e soft.com lemkesoft.com l-e-m-k-e soft.com 
Hi, Jason Lewis here. Anybody who's been listening to my program knows how shaky the U.S. economy is right now. Will we have a V-shaped recovery or will it be a W-shaped one where the nation slips back into recession? Of course, if you think that Washington can spend or inflate its way out of a downturn, you've got nothing to worry about. But as you know, I have my doubts. So let me tell you about gold. Now, as my friend Ted Anderson from Midas Resources likes to say, gold, like all commodity markets, fluctuates in price, and you could lose money. But it has never been worth zero. Give it some thought, and if you're interested in converting your IRA to gold or would like to actually have it in your possession, call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237. The U.S. dollar was once backed by gold, but has since lost 90% of its value. And if things don't change, I'm afraid the trend will continue. Call Midas Resources today at 1-800-686-2237 for gold and tell them Jason Lewis sent you. How would you like to have normal blood pressure? This is Ernesto from Illinois. I had my doctor's appointment yesterday and I got my labs in. My HDL is 119L and my LDL is 37L. My doctor asked what I was doing to lower it so much, so I told her about HB Extract. Millions of people like Ernesto are suffering from high blood pressure, congestive heart failure, unbalanced cholesterol, irregular heartbeat, and clogged arteries. But now there's an effective, natural, 100% organic nutritional supplement for a healthy heart and circulation. Heart and Body Extract. My blood pressure has not gone past 125 over 80 in almost a month. Experience amazing benefits when your body gets what it needs with the assistance of Heart and Body Extract. She did a double take when she looked at my ER labs. She couldn't believe it. Order at HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. That's HBExtract.com or call 866-295-5305. Thank you. Heart and Body Extract. In an emergency situation, would you drink contaminated water? You could if you had the amazing life straw from MyPatriotSupply.com. LifeStraw is the most advanced personal water filter available today. It filters contaminated water from almost any source. LifeStraw is lightweight and compact, perfect for hiking, camping, or in an emergency like a flood. LifeStraw is easy to clean, comes with a one-year warranty, and has been used worldwide since 2005. Get the amazing LifeStraw personal water filter at MyPatriotSupply.com. Plus, check out Survival Seed Vault, 20 seed varieties for only $37.95, Tatler canning lids, long-term storable foods as low as $69.95, and much more at MyPatriotSupply.com. Enjoy stress-free shipping on all orders over $49. Call 866-229-0927 or visit MyPatriotSupply.com. That's 866-229-0927, MyPatriotSupply.com. For emergency preparedness, self-reliance, and food independence. We'd like to hear from you. If you have a comment or question about the Tech Night Owl Live, please send it to news at technightowl.com. That's news at technightowl.com. If you'd like to discuss today's show with fellow night owls, visit our community forums at forum.technightowl.com. That's forum.technightowl.com. Think of it here. All these technologies we've been discussing on the Tech Night Out Live with Avram Pilch that his son Isaac Vincent Pilch will not see except as a memory or maybe in the garage or the storage room when he's 10 or 15 years of age. Like optical disks where everything is going in the cloud. And I think it also requires you know, the cloud-based systems to be more reliable. Right now there are limited functions. There are still bugs in the system. 
it's going to get there. It's going to be at a point where I'll still be on this planet, I hope, to see that there is no need for physical media anymore. And besides, none of the computing devices will offer it. Yeah, I think there's, I mean, I think what you're going to see, though, with the cloud services is uh, there's going to be real net neutrality issues that have to be worked out over the next few years. That's a big Uh, one right there. And there's an argument now about Netflix and Comcast because Comcast is offering its own streaming service. doesn't count towards your total bandwidth, but it's streaming. But if you go to Netflix, which is a rival company, it counts towards your bandwidth. Isn't that trying to skirt around the laws? I think this is going to be the big challenge in the next few years because what you're going to see is more and more services like this where you have somebody who's a content provider partnering with the broadband provider to avoid those caps. Because, yes, if you want people to really use your service, they're going to have to eat up a lot of bandwidth, particularly as you get more HD streams and you go even to higher levels of high definition than we're using today because inevitably 1080p is not the end. We're going to be at 1440p television for a lot of people soon and the streams are going to have to match that, which means even more bandwidth. There's no question that the issue of data caps, the 250 gigabyte data cap will be gone in a day when you're watching television for to 10 hours a day through that. So I think you're going to see more and more situations where companies partner the content providers and the cable companies or whoever the carrier is partner with each other. And of course, you see right now that there's that some of these companies own each other. So it presents serious competitiveness challenges, you know, potentially antitrust challenges. I think that there's going to be some serious uh, problems in this regard. And I'm afraid that the consumer may end up being the loser where if you're on Comcast and Comcast has a priority deal with a certain content provider and that content provider might be Disney, you know, you might get ABC an ABC stream not count against your cap, but a Fox stream does, this might become a very serious issue. And I hope that the FCC will have some teeth and step in and make sure this kind of thing doesn't happen. But I wouldn't be surprised if it becomes a very serious problem over the next few years. Very big political issue because it also means that people who are more conservative say the government shouldn't control what's happening. We're trying to control the Internet. And then the other argument being, of course, no, we're not. We're trying to prevent control of the Internet, that you pay money to subscribe to a service. You have equal right to get any service you want and nothing is prioritized. That, I mean, it's it's a serious problem because the people who control the pipes, so to speak, the carriers of this world, which there aren't really that many major ones. You know, you've got your Verizon, Cox, Comcast, Time Warner, AT and T. You know, maybe there's half a dozen or, or ten in the United States, and you don't have a choice between them because most of us live in an area where we can only get one, and if we're lucky, a choice between two of them. Basically, two mediocre services. You don't always get the state of the art. They're leveraging their position as controllers of the pipe to basically run a protection racket. Like, hey, if you want to run down my pipe, you got to pay. Now, I would rather that the obligation falls on me as the viewer than that it falls on Netflix to pay for that bandwidth because what, what happens then is that I'm in control. I don't want a situation where, okay, because Time Warner, which is the only service in my area, my only choice, has a priority deal with one content provider and not another, 
that's the one that makes sense for me to use. Now, that's also the obstacle Apple faces. I'm sure Apple wants to have a subscription service, say, for TV and movie content, but they're stuck with the bandwidth issue. You know, right now, the Apple TV is great because you go, you get a couple of movies a week or maybe you're just sharing stuff from your Mac or PC for your iPhone for your iPad. But if you're starting to get lots and lots of content from the cloud, suddenly you're going to have a problem. Now, some people are suggesting Apple wants to make deals with the pipe providers, the broadband providers, saying, we'll pay you to work a deal where we share the misery or whatever. I think in the short term that will happen. I think you're going to see people like Apple coming and making deals. But if you think that the issues that we have going on right now where cable providers and networks are fighting with each other over over rates are bad, wait until you see what's going to happen with broadband providers and content providers. I mean, we had an issue in New York several times, even this past year, where we couldn't watch Knicks games for a while because the Madison Square Garden Network, which airs our Knicks games, had a disagreement with the cable company, with Time Warner, so Time Warner subscribers couldn't watch the Knicks for a couple months until the two of them ironed that one out. That's Uh, Legion, by the way. That's with all your cable services and satellite I always get the press releases, say, from DirecTV because I'm a subscriber, and there's always a deal somewhere. Well, this particular network of TV stations, they want more money for their must-carry. You're going to carry these stations. They want a piece of the pie because they're seeing their revenues drop from advertising or stagnant, so they want to get it from both ways because the costs of producing programming are up. But, of course, when the cable or satellite provider says, sure, we'll give you $2 $2 per viewer instead of one who pays for the $2 per viewer. doesn't cost them anything. It costs me. It costs Avram Pilch. It costs you. No question. It's a protection racket. That's really what it is. It sure is. And what I wish, but I don't know how this is going to happen without some kind of really heavy-handed intervention from somebody like the FCC, that these companies would just be a dumb pipe. Like, stop interfering with my choice of what to watch. Stop trying to decide who's going to be the winners and losers in the content game just because you control the pipe. And let me decide what I'm going to watch and, and let the quality and cost of the content services determine who wins and loses rather than their ability to make a good deal with a protection racket. It also, of course, creates barriers to entry. I want to start my own streaming service, right? Uh, Well, I have to cut deals with all these people or no one will be able to watch my service at a high speed. And therefore, I need four or five billion dollars in startup venture capital. And where do you go to get that money? You know, is Bill Gates going to finance every one of you or Warren Buffett? You never know. Avram Pilch. (laughs) We've taken this full circle. It started with giving up the cord for the Internet, embracing wireless. It ended with optical media going away because everything's in the cloud. And then number one and number 15 have to kind of coalesce and work together. And now we come to the point where it's all full circle that broadband providers, wireless or otherwise, have to work together to keep you in the cloud or keep you from having your head in the cloud. Avram Pilch, where do we find more of your stuff? So you can check out my weekly column at laptopmag.com slash geeksgeek. You can read all of our news at laptopmag.com and follow me on Twitter at geekinchief. Avram Pilch, who some people are now going to call daddy, thanks for joining us on the Tech Night Out Live. Always a pleasure. America's number one source for independent talk radio for over a decade. We are...
The GCN Radio Network. If you want to get your website online and you need reliable service, first-class service at the lowest possible price, there's only one place to go. Well, DreamHost has a special promotion with our show where they'll offer you unlimited disk space, unlimited bandwidth, one-click web apps such as WordPress, 24-7 support. You can save over $55. You want to know how? Go to DreamHost.com slash radio, DreamHost.com slash radio. Whether it's personal mail, whether it's business email, you want reliable, dependable delivery, freedom from spam, freedom from viruses. Well, Polaris Mail offers professional email hosting services for your personal or small business use. Each account uses 25 gigabytes of storage, an easy-to-use webmail interface, and full mobile sync. Sign up today for a 30-day free trial at PolarisMail.com, PolarisMail.com. Hi, I'm Mark Craighead, founder of Crossbreed Holsters. I designed our top-selling holster, the Super Tuck Deluxe, to solve the problems of being poked, pinched, and gouged while carrying concealed. The Super Tuck Deluxe is the most comfortable, most concealable holster on the market today. We offer a two-week free trial and a lifetime warranty. Visit us at CrossbreedHolsters.com. Don't forget, CrossbreedHolsters.com. That's CrossbreedHolsters.com. In a coming-apart world, you need something to keep it tied together. That something is Atwood Rope, the highest quality rope made in the USA from exotic braids for military, rescue, arborists, shipyards, tow line, or boating. Quality rope at affordable prices you and your customers can depend on. Find a dealer or shop online at atwoodrope.net. Enter promo code RADIO to receive 100 feet of 550 paracord free with purchase. Atwood Rope, working to keep the world tied together. Attention, information in this one-minute message could save your life. Don't wait for the next emergency to happen. Act now to be prepared. Now, more than ever, civilians and communities must communicate with family, friends, and neighbors in the event of civil unrest, natural disasters, or other emergencies. That's why there's CivilDispatch.com. CivilDispatch.com is a universal system that can be used for a wide array of urgent notification alerts. Weather emergencies, civil unrest, emergency responders, amber alerts, school or business closings, any need-to-know situation. CivilDispatch.com is an emergency dispatch communication system, allowing anyone to quickly and easily send and instantaneously track emergency email and text alert notifications. CivilDispatch.com gives you the power of enterprise alerting without the enterprise cost. Don't find yourself unprepared. Learn more and become a member at CivilDispatch.com. That's CivilDispatch.com. Civilian Emergency Dispatch System. Peace through preparedness. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. That bears repeating. Digestive health is the key to wellness and elimination of toxins. And Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse is the key to digestive health. Pro-EM-1 is a powerful liquid probiotic, strong enough to cleanse, gentle enough to use every day. Pro-EM-1 is dairy, wheat, and soy-free, contains all natural and certified organic ingredients, contains no preservatives or animal products, supports a healthy digestive and immune system, supports weight loss, improves absorption, Absorption of food nutrients, aids in controlling yeast infections, is never freeze-dried, and uses three groups of live, viable, beneficial microbes to cleanse and remove toxins. Order Pro-EM-1 Daily Probiotic Cleanse at Terraganics.com. Spelled T-E-R-A-G-A-N-I-X.com. Terraganics.com. Or call toll-free 866-369-3678. That's 866-369-3678. 
Pro-EM1, the raw probiotic. You never know what's going to happen next while listening to the Tech Night Isle, live with Gene Steinberg. Ian Schrey joins the Tech Night Out Live. Some years back, he was on the show with another affiliation, but now he's involved with a company called WellRedApps.com. And what they're here to talk about, and we'll get to that in a little later, is a product called DropKey. But it's all about security. And we've always pointed out to our listeners of the Tech Night Out Live that security is very sensitive, and especially if you want to make sure that you're sending communications to somebody, that somebody out there isn't sniffing at what you're sending and playing games to find out what's going on. And that takes us, I guess, Ian, to the philosophy of the public key. And I've heard about public keys ever since I've been online. What is it all about? First of all, Gene, it's great to be back here. I, I really uh, really enjoy doing these. This is uh, a lot of fun, and I'm very excited about our product. But, yeah, it's a great place to start. I think uh, the idea of public key cryptography, which has actually been around since the 70s, is the idea that I have a public key and I have a private key, and you have a public key and a private key. And everybody, ideally, in this system has a public key and a private key. And my public key is just that. I feel perfectly comfortable putting that key up on a billboard in the middle of downtown Los Angeles. There's nothing secretive about that. In fact, it's far more open even than your own email address. There's nothing wrong with putting that out there. In fact, that's by design. My public key, however, that needs to stay. I mean, think of it almost like a password. That needs to be kept private. That's my own thing. I don't give that out to anyone. Define so, as the public key everyone could know, the private yeah. key only Ian knows, or maybe his significant other, or maybe his kids know. Actually, not even that. It really is something only I should know. And you don't, you don't have to mess with these with Dropkey. We'll get into that a little bit. It's really easy to manage with our solution. But historically, this has been something that's been very difficult to deal with because you've got to manage all these things. And when I say key, it's really just a string of letters and numbers. It's not anything. But it's so long you couldn't guess it. It's not like five characters or 12 characters. I mean, I can't remember the exact number, but it is dozens and dozens of characters. But when we've shared each other's public keys with each other, I can then encrypt something that only you can open. And there's no need for you to know any passwords or have to deal with anything as long as you have your private key installed on your computer and I have my installed on mine, we can send files back and forth that literally no one else can open. That's because it's all governed by the private key. That's right. That's right. This is uh, it's, it's very exciting technology, and, one, and, and people have tried in the past to get this going and get this to work. It's always been very difficult because, like a lot of security software, it gets a little complicated for the average person, and we really aim to change that with Dropkey. So explain to us how something like Dropkey works with this complex behind-the-scenes feature. Right. So the first time that you launch DropKey, it automatically creates your public and your private keys for you. And it stores, this is for Mac OS X Lion, and it stores your private key in your keychain access, which is something installed on every Mac. It's kind of tucked out of the way, and it's, it's, it's not something most people root around in on their own machines. And to do, to do anything with that private key, it does require an administrative password. Your public key is stored just in your address book. 
in, in the address book application on Mac OS X, you have a card that is designated as me or make this my card is actually the option. And that's usually set up by default when you set up your Mac the first time. But we've added, we add your public key to that address book card. And now whenever you share your address book card with anyone, as you normally would, that key goes along with it. That public key goes along with it. So, so the public key is like maybe giving someone your internet address. Yeah, it's as benign as that, right? Right. So we're technightowl.com. Anybody can go there. But the mechanism of transferring files to our server that you see, that's under security. Exactly. So once you've shared your key with someone and both of you are running Dropkey, that's all there is to it. You drag a file into the menu bar icon, the Dropkey menu bar icon. You tell it who you'd like to send to, and it brings up a list from your address book. If you have their public key then it's one more click to encrypt and send. A new email message pops up with the encrypted file attached to it already, and you just type in your subject, just like you normally would. And we don't handle any of the transmission. It just, it just encrypts the file and puts it in a new email message for you. And when the recipient gets it, they just double-click it. It decrypts, assuming all the keys are, are set, which you know that's how, it, it, that's how the whole thing works. They don't have to do anything else on their end. No passwords, nothing. So basically, let's try to get really this summarized. So you have a private key that governs the connections of this product. The public key names the people who could connect to each other using this private key. That's, that's, that's right, yes. You, you, your public key and your private key are, are linked together. Um, just cryptographically, they're linked together to each other. So um, basically, I open the door on this side. You open the door on the other side. But the pathway, the tunnel between the two places, that's encrypted. Yeah, it's governed. It's governed really by the relationship you've sent up, set up with someone uh, using this public-private key deal. Now, in, as far as the end user goes, that all sounds really, really complex, and it, and it actually is. But we've made it very, very simple. And all you have to do is give someone your address book card. In fact, you can do it right within Dropkey. You can share your your card with someone over email. As long as you give somebody your card, the relationship has already been set up at that point. There's nothing more you have to do. And you only do that once per recipient. You don't need to do that every time you send a file. So once you've given them your email address or whatever your public key is, immediately they have that access to you. But what if you decide, I don't want to be in touch with that person anymore? Can you just cut them off? Well, really, you you can't just like you can't ungive someone your email address. It's kind of hard to ungive someone your public key. But again, it's not a big deal to give someone your public key because all that means is that they can send you a file. You see what I mean? So you're not giving them rights to anything. You're just giving them, you know, again, like an email address. Okay, but does that mean I could refuse the file? Sure. You just don't open it. Okay. Yeah, you, just, you would get it as, as an email and you would just delete it, just like anything else. Now, the other issue, I guess, to bring up is the fact that, as we know, when it comes to sending larger files from email, each email service has a limit. And usually it's a pretty small file, you know, like some JPEG photos and documents, okay. But anything larger than 10, 20, 30 megabytes, it's not going to get there. Do you have a way of working around that? Not so much with email, but there is a solution. So we, we do have the ability to, as I mentioned, to encrypt the file and attach it to an email. 
there is another mode that drop key can be in, and that is just to encrypt the file. And when you choose that, and there, there's a way to set the preference for what the default behavior is, but you can always toggle back and forth by holding the option key. And all that is, is it, it just encrypts it. You tell it where you want to save it, and I usually just send it to my desktop, save it out to my desktop. But you can also save that directly to something like Dropbox or any other server storage, WebDAV, whatever server storage method you would normally use to send large files, you can do that. Obviously, if you send that, save that encrypted file to your desktop, you can then instant message it to somebody. You know, all any method you would normally use to send a file. And um, even if you send it to the wrong person, them. unless they know, and they have a configured public key that works with your system and your setup, they still can't open the file. They have right, to have so a public I, key. If I encrypt a file for my wife, for example, and then I were to send it to you, Gene, uh, you would not be able to open it. Well, I have to talk to you be. after the show about that, yes. <laughs> right. So it, it, really, uh, it, it really is quite secure. Um, again, it's an open standard that's almost 40 years old. Um, it, it is <laughs> 256-bit encryption. I mean, military-grade, whatever term we want to use, but it is as secure as anything. And there's just no way to open it. I mean, you, you double-click on it. If it's a file that's not for you, you would double-click on it, and DropKey pops up and says, sorry, you can't do this. You cannot open this. You don't have the power. You don't have the authority. Right. Which is better than password-based encryption, because password-based encryption, if you have the password, you can open it. It doesn't matter who you are. But in this uh, case, you can revoke it then. We have Ian Schrey. We're going to talk about further, at least, about... Public Keys, Private Keys, Cryptography, and Drop Key. Coming up on the Tech Night Out Live. Are you tired of searching for great talk radio? Something more important. Search no more. We are the GCN Radio Network. Ray Perkins, a reclusive veteran burned out from the Gulf War, lives tortured by relentless, perplexing nightmares. Nightmares of a horrific battle in deep space and of a mysterious woman suffering in agony for her devastated world. A woman not yet born, calling across centuries to him. Then, a coincidence leads him to his destiny, his chance to alter the universe. Attack! Attack! Of the Rockwell. The former fiction editor for Star Wars and Indiana Jones, Robert Simpson, writes... The soul of the novel Attack of the Rockoids lies in its heart and passion for building a convincing tale of a love that spans a galaxy. A thrilling story. Attack of the Rockoids is available now. Read a sample chapter and get a special discount off of the cover price at our website, rockoids.com. That's R-O-C-K-O-I-D-S dot com. Attack of the Rockoids, a novel in the grand science fiction tradition. If you're not prepared, GetPreparedExpo.com, the biggest and best preparedness expo in the USA, coming April 28th and 29th, GetPreparedExpo.com, over 125 seminars and exhibits, survival gardening, water filtration, long-term food storage, freeze-dried foods, heirloom seeds, storm shelters, survival communications, solar power, herbal medicine, heating with wood, living off junk, home defense, guns, ammo, negotiate for your life, homeschool your children, start your own home-based business, GetPreparedExpo.com, Ozark Empire Fairgrounds, Spring 
Springfield, Missouri. Saturday and Sunday, April 28th and 29th. Meet your USA Preparers.com instructors. Vincent Vanelli, Jeff Olson, The Freeze Dry Guy, John Moore, Matt Stein, Larry Pratt, Dr. Julie Pennick, Beth Ann, David Christopher, Julia Shopping, Robert Allen, and over 30 more. GetPreparedExpo.com. Download program flyers and $8 discount coupons at GetPreparedExpo.com. Don't miss GetPreparedExpo.com. Saturday and Sunday, April 28th and 29th. GetPreparedExpo.com. Four, five, six, even seven dollars a gallon? According to fuel industry insiders and economic experts, those are the forecasted fuel prices with no end in sight. Fight back fuel prices with a fuel saver from airfusionsystems.com. These fuel savers can save you from 20 to 40 percent. They're designed to fit any vehicle from compacts to SUVs to transport trucks. The fuel saver works on all gas, diesel, even propane engines. Easy do-it-yourself installation in about 15 minutes. And the best part? No engine modifications, no computer chipping, no running wires, no chemicals, no water, no running costs, and no maintenance. And these fuel savers come complete with all parts and accessories. See how it works at airfusionsystems.com, spelled A-I-R-F-U-S-I-O-N, systems.com. Or call 888-887-9981, 888-887-9981. Fuel savers from airfusionsystems.com. Save fuel, save money, save earth. Introducing a diabetes breakthrough, an easy, natural, organic way to bring relief to diabetics. Introducing MDS Forte, a concentrated super strength extract formulated for those who are looking for relief. What can MDS Forte do for you? MDS Forte reduces glucose levels safely and effectively, reduces cholesterol and triglyceride levels, increases HDL or good cholesterol while reducing LDL or bad cholesterol. MDS Forte reduces A1C, improves eyesight and circulation to the limbs, and helps with weight loss. Is non-toxic, caffeine-free, 100% natural, 100% organic, and comes with a 100% money back guarantee waiting for the side effects disclaimers with mds forte there are none order a 25-day treatment of mds forte by calling 213-405-5355 213-405-5355 or visit bestbloodsupport.com that's bestbloodsupport.com for mds forte a diabetes breakthrough live with gene steinberg it's the Tech Night Owl. Because you never know what's going to happen next. Ian Shrey from Well Read Apps joining us on the Tech Night Owl Live. We're talking about a product called Drop Key, which is a product that helps you send secure information, files, whatever to only the people who have that permission. And as I said, you could revoke it. You get divorced from your wife, you could revoke her privileges, and she can't get that file? Well, she could, oh, she could get the files you've already sent, yes. But she, you, could, uh, you could just choose to not send any more files to her. But remember, when you're encrypting, you're encrypting for a specific person, not for everyone you've ever shared your key with. So basically here, what we're talking about here is obviously... If you send something to somebody already and they have the public key, they can open it. But after that, just don't send them any more files. Remember that. Okay. So it's still the responsibility is still on the user to know what they're sending and to whom they're sending it. And we can't take away personal responsibility here. Personal responsibility still counts for a lot. 
Of course, of course, but you don't have to worry about uh, someone guessing your password. One thing that, that made us want to make this application is I happened to open up my own Gmail account uh, just on the web, and I looked in my sent items. I was looking for something else, and I looked in my sent items, and I noticed all of these attachments in there, and they were all just you know regular Excel files and uh, JPEGs and whatever else, and I realized that anyone with my Gmail password could go in and find all of these sent items, and this is just the sent items, never mind all the archived things that had been sent to me. Those were openable by anyone, and that could have been done from any computer anywhere in the world, which is kind of the attraction of Gmail, right? Everything is, is openable anywhere. But it scared me because everyone knows www.gmail.com, right? And if you know my email address, you know my login. You know, that's how that works. And all you have to guess now is my password. And if, if you know, we hear every day about passwords being compromised, if someone got my password, then they could go in and get all these files. But with DropKey... If I had used DropKey to encrypt all of these files before I sent them, then even if you log into my Gmail account, all you're going to get are a bunch of encrypted files in there, and you can't open them. There's no password to guess. So this really in- increases the level of security for the documents you're sending, tax documents, uh, financial documents, anything, even photos of your children that you don't want out there. You can, uh, you can encrypt those things. So we, this really inspired me to create this application, and, and it worked great. Now let's talk a little bit here about the private key or the encryption standard 256 bits what does that mean in terms of security does that mean it takes a thousand years to figure it out (laughs) the the number of years is always difficult because that changes every time computers get faster which seems to happen every day this uh, these days Um, but 256 bit just is the the it refers to the technology that's required to do the math the math that is encrypting your document and there are, you know, obviously this is uh, going to be, you know, 128-bit, 256-bit, 512-bit, all that stuff. 256-bit encryption is considered today to be the standard secure technology for at least consumer grade and then on to enterprise and some military grade encryption. This is beyond the point of being able to be opened in the average lifetime of a human being. So there's really any going any more than this is a little more is a little ridiculous. I think the reason I mention this is if you watch TV, for example, any show about spies, for example, covert affairs on USA Network, you have this computer geek who happens to be blind on that show. Interesting character. You need a password. We'll get it for you in thirty seconds. So is, can a CIA figure this out in thirty seconds? <laughs> Well, who knows? They probably can do it faster than that. But, <laughs> but the, the, what they're getting is they're getting passwords. So a password is typically, you know, obviously think about all the passwords you have. Typically people's passwords are like eight characters, 12 characters maybe. And they're usually all letters because a lot of people use things like password or they use their, their uh, anniversary date as their password or their kids' names. You know, those horrible, horrible passwords. Those, um, those can usually be found in dictionaries, all that stuff. And so the, the math required to pull up a password, a typical password, is not very advanced. But if we're talking about public key cryptography pairs, public and private key pairs, 
Uh, we're talking about literally dozens, probably, I, again, I don't know the exact number, um, over 100 characters, alphanumeric characters, numbers and letters. So you can imagine the raw processing power required to break one of these at all and then to be able to break them in any sort of reasonable time. Um, again, I don't know what the NSA has and what the CIA have, but I know that the technology available to anyone, good, good guy or bad guy, uh, in the private sector uh, just is not, it's not possible to break one of these things, again, in the human lifetime. Maybe E.T. could do it. <laughs> maybe, maybe. Okay, so we have the product. It's called DropKey. Spend a few moments telling us more about the features and where they can get a copy. Sure. So one other feature we built in was the idea of two-factor authentication. Now, this is going to get a little nerdy, but it, it's going to get – it's really clear on the, on the need for this. Okay. Let me put if on you, my propeller cap here. Okay. I've got right. it spinning, and there I go. Perfect. So if you go to a website and you download my public key, because again, remember, public keys are relatively public uh, by the very definition. You can go to a website and download my public key. I've made that available for anyone. Uh, because it, it really is that, that it's okay to do that. But how do you know that you're really getting my public key? What if you mistype the address? You know, I'm, so maybe you mistype uh, the, the, the address to get my public key. My, my address my, to get my public key happens to be at wellreadapps.com slash Ian. But what if you mistype something in that and you go to some hacker's site and you download a fake public key of mine? How do you know that it's mine? You could be encrypting it for somebody else, right? So this is a problem that has plagued um, that has plagued public key cryptography forever. And we have a solution to this, and it's called two-factor authentication. We will grab four random words out of a dictionary. Don't worry, we removed all the profane words from the group the group of words that we. Oh, that's too bad. And then nice, yeah. So we'll grab four pub four random words out of a dictionary for everybody's key that you have in your address book. You then give me a call and say, Ian, what are your four words? And I would say, well, my four words are, and whatever my four words are, you verify that right in DropKey, and then click the Verify button, and then you're sure that it's me. You're sure that it's me, and and, and there's no problem sending things back and forth. Uh, And it's a really, really nice, elegant way to do this, in our opinion. So um, so really, uh, for for anybody who's who's concerned about that, it's called a man-in-the-middle attack if you want to go search on Wikipedia for the concept. But we have wonderful safeguards against this with that second-factor authentication. So uh, anyway, DropKey is available at getdropkey.com, just like it sounds. And the free 30-day trial is available. Regular price for it is $29.99. We, that's a one-time fee. We don't do annual or monthly subscription or anything like that. We are offering it right now for $10 off, though, so it's $19.99. And for at least a little while, every time you buy a copy in your purchase receipt when you buy it from us, you're going to get a license or a coupon code to give to a friend, and they're going to get a copy for free. Because if you remember, walkie-talkies are great, right? But what, what if you only have one walkie-talkie? What are you supposed to do with that? So we're giving you, I guess, the second walkie-talkie for free. So basically it's nineteen ninety nine for two walkie-talkies. That's exactly right. And you also have a trial, a 30-day we trial do. on your site. 30-day trial is fully functional. You can do whatever you like with it. And after 30 days, all you lose is the ability to encrypt. You can still use it as a free decryption tool. So you don't have to worry about We're never going to hold data hostage here. So you can always decrypt for free. But you want to encrypt, you've got to pay his salary because otherwise he can't produce the software, his staff can't develop it, 
And, of course, they go on welfare. You don't want that to happen. It's just terrible. <laughs> the place is getdropkey.com to get your copy. I want to tell listeners about getting things. You can get more information about us at technightowl.com. Once again, that's technightowl.com, where we have our own cutting-edge commentaries. We're Tech Night Owl at Twitter. There is a Gene Steinberg on Twitter. He's not me. We've got to make him change his ways. So we can't have that kind of stuff go on. We have the other radio show about UFOs and things that go bump in the night called the Paracast at Paracast.com. That's how it shapes up. Thank you, Ian Schray, for joining us this week on the Tech Night Owl Live. Thanks, Gene. The Tech Night Owl Live is a copyrighted presentation of Making the Impossible Incorporated. We'll be back next week. Same bat time, same bat channel.